What's going on, guys? Dustin with the LFG 1904 show. Proud to announce our partnership with Law Tigers. If you have been in a motorcycle accident, let's get you the compensation you deserve today and get you back on the road. Go ahead and call this number, 858-306-1986. Once again, that number is 858-306-1986. Law Tigers, nationwide, doesn't matter where you're at. Call that number, LFG. And go, boys. Let's fucking go. Yeah! Let's fucking go, baby. Welcome back to the LFG 1904 show. I'm Dustin. I'm Rafa. What's up, Rafa? You know the deal. Today's guest, guys, we uh, we have Justin. Well, let me make sure this is right. What is your Instagram handle? Warthog Bike. War- there we go. That's where you guys can follow him. Man, my mic sounds like shit. <laughs> I was talking all this shit testing before. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> right on. Sounds good over here. Yeah, good. Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, good. Here we go. So what's going on, man? Nothing. Chilling. Ready good. for the holidays, dude. How about you? I know. I know. It's it's gonna be Christmas. Yeah, I I can't wait for it to be over with. I really can't because uh we ha- my wife's pregnant. Yeah. And uh she's fuck it's been a really tough pregnancy, so really yeah, Sick. I mean, uh, well, it's just the doctors are really fucked off. <laughs> so, uh, the f- the first the first uh, doctor's appointment, they're basically saying that the kid, our kid, was going to have Down syndrome. Okay, there was a cyst on the brain, and so we're like, "Holy shit!" You know, but all the uh, other tests that we did, it was saying it was negative, but there was still a cyst on the brain. Okay, so then we're dealing with that. Then we go back for another sonogram. Oh, that's all done. Like the cyst is going away. You're cool. But now the baby has a hole in the heart. Oh, so, boy. all right, cool. <laughs> so that, that's that's the next step. The next doctor's appointment we go to. Well, the hole in the heart, guess what? Congratulations. The hole in the heart's gone. However, there is a stool in her, I don't know, some part. Amniotic sac. Yeah, amniotic yeah, sac. Yeah, some, some, yeah. right? So... Basically, they're saying, like, well, we, we hope that this goes away because the child won't make it once it comes out. Mm. So uh, they're, they've done a bunch of tests, and they're saying that they really can't tell, but it looks like it's gone away. So now we're just playing Russian roulette. We're hoping that, you know, Winona's her name. She comes out, she's firing and ready to go because she's constantly moving in the belly, right? I but, mean, yo, if she makes it through this, you know she's going to be a badass Harley Oh, rider. bro. And not to mention, too, so with Wyatt, the moment I knew that she was pregnant, I'm like, you're not going to be riding on the back of the bike. Well, this time we went on the LFG ride to, uh, where do we go, Rafa? Fucking. Uh, Yo, yeah. Cimente. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so she rode on the bike and she was pregnant. Yeah. And so I already knew right off the top. I'm like, oh, she's going to be one bad chick. Yeah. She's already going to have it in her fucking goddamn veins. DNA, yeah. DNA yeah, blood, yeah. everything, whatever you want to say. She's going to. She's got gonna, that V twin yeah. hum going yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know. It's a trip though. But so I mean, honestly, look at man. You know, I fucking pray to my higher power that everything's gonna work out the way it's supposed to. I mean, we were prepared if she if she was gonna have Down syndrome. You know what I mean? Like we were already to a point to where we're like, we are gonna keep the baby. 
Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Yeah. You know, we're all, we're already there. We're already all in, you yeah. know, but it's uh, even for me, but I mean, for her, yeah. what a shitty situation. For sure. You know, what a shitty situation. How, how is mom feeling? I mean, it, it's like, is she feeling crappy or is it the mental game of like hearing all this shit about your kid growing in you? I would say both. So, because I mean, so it's she's just not feeling so good. She's either. not feeling so good. I mean, it's uh, a totally different pregnancy. And like I've said a thousand times on the show already, the the every pregnancy is different, which now I know because mm-hmm. the first one with Wyatt was a breeze, you know. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, this one hasn't been so great. She's been sick often. She's been, you know, really having uh, suicidal thoughts, you know, oh, think things of like things that are not to her nature. Like yeah, we're right. drug addicts, but we don't have any mental illness. Right. You know what I mean? So to have those sort of thoughts is pretty fucking crazy and it's scary sure. at the same time. Sure. You know, but yeah, like well, I said, dude, I we're just going to, yeah, man. we're just going to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're going to have, I'm to, sure she's going to pop out and be a little rad chick. So I know. I mean, that's that's the hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> or she's just going to be like me in a fucking nitwit. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never you just you never know. man. She's going to be called Winona. So yeah, Winona. <laughs> Why didn't Winona? The two YYs. Name. YYs. <laughs> so, you know, we start off with the show, man. When it, you know, we talk a lot about recovery. We talk a lot about motorcycles. Uh, we always start off the show, though, of just getting to know the guests so it's like we're you know we we always ask the question like where are you from originally or yeah uh where were you born man. at how about I was that born in manhattan there you go yeah. new york new york, Rafa new york. Can relate. the big apple uh, i don't know what they're talking about next thing you know you guys are going to talk about stoops and all that shit <laughs> fucking brooklyn homie i don't know what and you're pizza. talking about <laughs> yeah yeah so you were born in manhattan presbyterian hospital and uh not just yeah like, right <laughs> yeah for uh 45 six night uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Born in Manhattan, uh, and then I lived all over. Honestly, okay. You know, like I, I was in in New York for a bit, and then it was like New Mexico, and mm. I went to high school in Jersey. I was in Florida when I was in the military, uh, and then I lived out here for thirteen years here in San Diego, and now I live in Vegas. And then there's a big chunk of that where I lived overseas. Mm. Wow, where at? all over the place <laughs> really yeah. was that because of the military nope that's because i mean somewhat yeah military but i was never stationed overseas i just that was deployments Got it. Uh, and then as far as um let me make sure this is on mute okay good mm-hmm. uh and then yeah there's a crazier story i'd love to tell you guys a little bit about it at some Please. point but uh so when i was younger when we were living in new mexico my dad was going to he was in a minimum security prison and he decided to leave that minimum security prison. And then we ended up uh, coming out here to San Diego, hopping on our family sailboat and sailing across the South Pacific as fugitives of the wow. United States. Yeah. Let's, for, for let's, three years. Let's, let's dig into this because <laughs> this is fucking gold. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. You, so he just decided to leave minimum security. So I guess what there wasn't any gates. You could just walk yeah, I mean, freely. It's, it's kind of like, it's like big boy camp. You okay. know what I mean? Like you're you're there. You got to go check in. Like you can't leave the property, obviously. But it's not like a normal prison where they have bars and you know the stuff that we imagine, like Alcatraz. You know, and the, everything locks at night and everything. It's like mm-hmm. it's more like camp, but you can't ever leave. 
until they tell you you're allowed to leave, you know? Right. Uh, so as far as walking off of something like that, I guess he kind of timed it right. When all the kitchen people were leaving, he in the morning, he left with the kitchen people. And what then a, What a nice guy. Yeah, right? He flipped right his, I guess he flipped his uniform inside out, so he looked like he matched the kitchen people and... Wow. Just walked out. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably the reason why they have pink outfits on. Yeah, right. No <laughs> shit. They're gonna know now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we my like a, a couple days before, I'm at a Walmart with my mom. She's putting on this like Uma Thurman wig. And then she's got these like John Lennon glasses. And she looks at me, she's like, Do I look like your mom? I'm like, No. And I was like six. Right. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is all about, but all right, right. sounds oh, seems fun. You know, then we go back to the house. We have a minivan that she rented, and she's put she's putting all the our luggage all along the windows or, around the back. Oh, you know, wow. and so then and then she's like, "We're moving to Colorado to be closer to your dad." I'm like, "Okay, great." You know, I love my dad. Right. And then the next thing, we're riding up to Colorado, and we get to this McDonald's at four o'clock in the morning. Nice. You know, and like I'm just looking out the window, like. Hey mom, do they have cheeseburgers this early? You know, and she's like, "No, it's only breakfast, and we're not getting McDonald's." You know, I'm like, "Damn it!" And then, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, the door opens, and there's my dad. And at six years old, the first thing I said when that happened was, "We're gonna get caught." It's the wow. first thing I said. And then I gave my dad a hug, and you know, I saw right. him, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we—that's when we started our trek, you know, through across to San Diego, and. Got on our sailboat and we we're headed to Costa Rica, but the autopilot on the boat broke nice. and we got into some kind of rough weather. And then we ended up in Mexico and we spent some time there trying to fix the boat. And then from there, we just shot out across the South Pacific. Okay. And hit a bunch of little remote islands that were pretty fantastic. How long, how long was this trip? Three years. Wow. Yeah. So he was on the run for three years and did he get caught after that? In New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. So that was kind of the first, like, first world country we had been to for the three years that we were out there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, our our passports were flagged. Wow. So, yeah. I remember when the custom agents came on the boat, they were acting real weird. There's, like, a lot of them, which is unusual. Right. And they were, like, going through everything on the boat and asking a lot of questions. Do you have weapons, you know? And, like, but, yeah, I, at the time, I don't think my dad really realized what was going on you know that they knew you know right uh and they didn't so then we were actually living in new zealand for a while and it wasn't till a little while after like renting a house because we we're refitting the boat so we could go back out and live out in the ocean for longer and uh yeah he, he they came and picked him up put him in prison there in oh, New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. Well, prison abroad. Prison abroad. I mean, New Zealand's at least a nice place. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the prison was not. I remember that pretty well. I bet. I, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it was not. <laughs> uh, no, it was not a, not a pretty place. Yeah. There was some funky stuff going on there. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, they had like those. It was like this. You know, you had like families would visit and there'd be like plexiglass in the middle. But underneath there was nothing. So, you know, like the wives are coming in and giving their husbands a little handy under the the table sure. there. <laughs> nice. I was only like nine, you know, like, what's going on over here? <laughs> you guys are all next. That is fucking too funny, dude. Wow. Gay. 
fucking God bless him. <laughs> God yeah, right? Damn it. You know what I mean? Get God, you some. Like, yeah, God bless him. I mean, if I guess we're going to get put in prison, that's a good spot to... Yeah, I mean, Andy's sure. Like, it's not uh-huh. so easy in the U.S., you know? Yeah, fuck no. <laughs> sure, you can probably just, you know... Get anything then too. <laughs> yeah. Why you're giving me a hand job? Bring me some fucking oh, no. meth. You know, my dad like had a cell itself. phone in there. Oh, uh, but wow. I mean, it's something I think you know when you're connected enough in the U.S., you could probably get that here too. You know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have tablets now. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. So I mean, everybody that's locked up is I've they have an Instagram and Facebook profile now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, like <laughs> watching porn. Oh, that's so great. I can imagine watching fucking porn. You got three square Christ. meals a day. Yeah. <laughs> Your phone smells like shit. Yeah, it just fe- you're just making <laughs> new fifis all the time, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, so I mean, that's pretty amazing. If you think about it, your ch- your childhood was probably pretty cool. Then it you're was fucking cool. sailing around the fucking world. Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, like okay, so I guess this is where the addiction stuff comes in somewhat. But okay, so in a lot of ways, like yeah, dude, what a dope way to have a childhood. You know, like for it's, sure and. You know, I, I, one thing I think that I learned from that whole experience is like our sense of freedom that we live and I, I fought for in the military, right? Our sense of freedom is like a very like liberal term, mm-hmm. you know, like what is freedom exactly? You know, like I have freedom in my life because of all the laws and everything that this country protects me with, but I'm not totally free because I have a job that I have to go to, you know, 80 hours a week and I'm a slave to that, you know, and like, and this lifestyle, everything that we have in the U S and the way that we, what we work for, what we live for and all that, it, it's not that free. You know what I mean? But being on a sailboat like that, where you're just, it's like, well, where are we going? I don't know. Let's pick an Island, you know? And then suddenly you're sailing for five days across this beautiful open expanse ocean and you come up to some gorgeous island that reeks of hibiscus flowers. You're getting closer and closer to that island. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, it's like, sick. This place is beautiful. Let's go explore. And you got like three right. or four days that you can just, it's a new place. It's mm-hmm. always something new and gorgeous. And then there was places that we went to where it was like uninhabited. No one was there. And it was like your island. You know yeah, what I you mean? Yeah, your island. Yeah, yeah so like that... That freedom was something that I think I struggled with. And, like, also think about it. I came back to the U.S. after all that shit. I mean, the whole story of us, like, getting back to the U.S. was a whole other story. But I came back and went to public school. And I'm hanging out with these kids. And it's like, you guys have no fucking idea what's out there. No way. Yeah, you have you're no right. clue. Like, I just saw all this shit. Yeah. And I can't even express it to you because I'm 10. And I also have a re- I had a hard time kind of fitting in, too, because I was just like, I, I was so used to pulling up to this beautiful tropical island, dropping anchor, barely even dropping anchor, and jumping off the side of the boat and swimming to the beach and starting to explore on my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like That was my the life that I had. And then came back, and it was like, you know, bells ringing and classrooms and teachers of all sorts of degrees of anger. And you know what I mean? Right. Like, they mm-hmm. don't want to be there. They hate their tenure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, was, I had fallen quite a bit behind because... I was doing homeschooling on the boat. So it was like, that was another thing coming back and having to deal with that. So I think here's where the addiction comes in is like, you know, I had a hard time fitting in and like high school and all that. The thing about drugs, you know, is like, that's where you have something in common with people, you know, like I smoke pot. So do you. And I think it was easy for me to somewhat fall into that. 
And the other thing is like, I was pissed for a long time that I, I like was robbed of a, chi- a normal childhood. You know what I mean? Like I was mad about it. I wanted, I wanted to have those best friends that you had since kindergarten. And I wanted to have played all the sports and actually know, know how to play sports. You know, like I, I came in at like 10 years old. Like most of those kids have been playing baseball and football and all that stuff since they were little kids. And like, you know, first time I grabbed a football in like PE, I ran the wrong direction because I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about football, you know. Right. Uh, so there was just a lot of things that I, as a kid, I was pissed. Uh, there goes Justin again trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's this way, pal. It's this <laughs> yeah. way, pal. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck? Yep. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, kind of I was just self-destructive for sure for a while and definitely fell into smoking pot and doing drugs and drinking alcohol at a young age. And, you know, like, yeah. That's and actually the one of the big reasons I joined the military was because I was like, man, if I go to college, I'm gonna fuck up bad. I know it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna end up in trouble. But if I join the military, I'm gonna be. I have to have to be accountable. You right. know what I mean? And like, there was that. There was also kind of finding a family. Like my family had gotten so split up and broken. Dad was when we came back to the United States, he got extradited back, and you know he was in prison still. So it was just like. I think I lacked family for a long time. Yeah. So the military was a good place for that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like your self-awareness was completely up to because a majority of the time, like I speaking for myself, I knew that was the right move. However, I still wanted to be my friend with my friends and party, you know, and I'll just find a fucking job, you know, and just maintain. So take it back real quick. So your dad gets locked up in New Zealand and so obviously he gets extradited. You just said that. Well, kind of. What what was his what what did he do to get in prison in the first place? Uh good question. Yeah. So this is one of those things where it's like, you know, we live in a weird world. And there the laws and what really happens out there is kind of questionable. You know, and so the thing is like my dad is undoubtedly a very smart guy. I mean, he's 180 IQ at least, you know what mm. I mean? It's just, he's a, he's brilliant. He's a genius. Yeah. But I think he's also like one of those people who he's a, like such a rule follower almost to like a fault. And I think what happened is, uh, he, there, he was working with this guy who was his partner and that guy was, I guess a dick or whatever. And they had their falling out and, you know, he was doing sketchy shit. And so they split off and went and did their own things. And, then what ended up happening is, like, at some point, the government wanted to take down his ex-partner. And so they came to him, and they were like, hey, you know, we're going to take this dude down. We want you to testify. And he's like, I didn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to testify against him. And, you know, I'll see you in court, kind of. I'll get my lawyers, and I'll see you in court. Well, you can't do that with the U.S. government. You know Hell what no. I mean? Mm-hmm. So that basically, at that point, they're like, cool, we're going to take you down with him now. Yeah. And the what he, what they were doing is they had these tax shelters, so it was like shell companies basically that they were they had overseas, and and I don't think so. What I think that that's what the partner was doing. You know, these shell companies, and they were putting it overseas, and then they were like claiming them so they could make all this money for tax, you know, get tax returns or whatever. But really, I think what uh, my dad might have been doing, which was a little bit not sketchy, but at the time. In the 70s, Wall Street was the Wild West. There were no rules or no right. regulations, right? right? So what he was doing was like he was putting these tax shelters, so essentially putting the money overseas so that they wouldn't have to pay all the taxes. But it wasn't illegal at the time. You know, it was like brilliant. 
you know, mm-hmm. good idea. Uh, yeah. And then when they ended up uh, taking him down, like they kind of retroactivated the rules and, you know, he ended up, wow. he owes them almost half a billion dollars. Wow. To this day. Jesus. His fuck. Intru- his Rafa, own, that's a alone. lot of fucking cheese. Yeah. So uh, let's turn the mic is off. <laughs> What's your dad's number next? <laughs> Damn. So is he yeah. is he still incarcerated now or no? No, no, no. Okay. He actually only got he. So he got five years. He would have had to do three in the minimum security prison. But right. The other side of this. So he, just, my, he's, he decided to leave, and they said, "Okay, we got you." Oh yeah. Now, well, <laughs> he I think totally ended up serving like maybe six years. I think it was. Damn. He spent some. They counted his time in minimum security. They counted the time of being extradited back. Oh, he got love. He got love. And then he got, and that was shitty. His extradition process, it took him like a year to get back to the United States. And he was in some real crummy places along the way. You know what I mean? Right. And then then they put him in a maximum security prison when he came back here. They're like, you ain't escaping this time. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to show you, motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We got your number now, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to Alcatraz. Yeah, don't trip. (laughs) Ain't getting out of here now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, was it so like um, disciplining you as a child, like as your parents and stuff like that, when your parents would try to discipline you, like, were you like, how could you discipline me? You just had me run around the country as a fugitive. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, well, like, what was that like growing up? Like, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, first of all, again, my. So my mom was pretty abusive, honestly, you know, oh, f- really? physically. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, dad was in prison. So what was he going to do? You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. he was trying to make up for not being there. Um, but yeah, dude, I was pretty mad at both of them, you know, and like very rebellious. Like in my, in my teens, like I was just all kinds of getting in all kinds of trouble, stealing money, mm-hmm. you know, like pissed. It's pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was in the military and I started to realize, like, there's something a little different about me. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I, like, I have this passion for traveling. Everywhere I go, I make friends like that. You know what I mean? Like, I can fit in anywhere. I'm like a social chameleon. And, like, and I was like, this, this is because of what I lived. You know what I mean? And this drive, like, even now, the adventure riding and all that yeah. stuff. Like, this drive to just, like, explore and all that, it comes from that. It de- definitely does. Totally, yeah. It's so funny. It's like... I don't know your story, but just by what I see, it's exactly what you're doing now. Sure. You know, you're exploring and you're riding your motorcycle through mountains and all these all these things. And you're saying it early. I heard you guys talking. You enjoy doing it by yourself. Is that right? No, I don't, oh, actually. don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't. No. You like it. You like riding with other people. Totally. Okay. okay. Yeah. But still, though, I mean, that's that's where all that comes from. For sure. But then on the other side, though, too. You know, of wanting to probably have some affection and, you know, friendships and all that that you're missing, you know, that goes hand in hand, too, which is it's I mean, it's a great thing. Like you're traveling around the world, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you were missing out on a lot of things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that now it's like what I've been realizing recently is that a lot of my drive, my reasons for making the decisions that I have made through a lot of my life come from a place of pain. Mm-hmm. and trauma you know what i mean and like and that's why like addiction's a slippery slope and even the things that i do it's like sometimes i'm out there and i'm like i am doing the most epic cool shit and still for some reason i'm not happy you know what i mean why why is that and it's like because at the core i'm 
I'm coming from this place of pain. I'm coming from this place of like feeling abandoned, not being taken care of by the caretakers who are supposed to take care of us the way that we're supposed to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, there was some abuse in there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, that's the double edged sword of it all, you know? And like, and now in my late thirties now, I think a big thing that I've been really trying to like resolve is changing my mind frame, Mm. you know, like, like instead of running from pain, I'm running towards or riding towards joy, Mm. you know? And when I start to have, like I have trust issues like crazy. Right. And when I start to have those trust issues, cause again, this comes from like caretakers not really being there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like, trying to reframe that being like, no, you know, that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm always processing like how's somebody going to fuck me over. You know what I mean? Like I'm always thinking I'm going to get fucked over cause I got fucked over all the time, you know, as a kid. And, uh, you know, now it's like, no, people aren't out, out to actually fuck you over. You know what I mean? Like there are people out here in the real world who love you and are genuine and are honest and they're not going to fuck you over and don't assume that don't go to that first, you know, mm-hmm. it's very, it's hard to do though. Sure. So, <clears throat> I, I came from an abused family too, so it was there's a lot of verbal, uh, physical, and so it just it I had so many things growing up to where I was so sucking. I was just in fear, constant fear. It's a lo- similar story to what you're saying. Trust is very hard for me to trust somebody, um, but I wanted to. Uh, I, I trust that my friends more than my family, and a lot of times those friends got me into trouble too. You know, sure. or I got them into trouble. The same same thing, but. Um, how are you with relationships? Cause I know for myself in the beginning of having a, I was very selfish and I was very standoffish and like having a relationship with a female was extremely hard for me. Cause it was just my way. It didn't, it, it took to work on it on myself in recovery to really humble myself and st- take a step back and just knowing that I was just awful. Mm. You know, I was really an awful person. I'd say, in my case, I think it's a little, a little different, you know, like some of it's that kind of Freudian shit, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we fall in love with our mother and my mother is a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So for like my early twenties, it was like every girl that I dated was a piece of shit, mm-hmm. you know, like they treated me terribly. And I was like, I was trying, like, I, I just wanted love, you know, more than anything. I just wanted to be loved. And I, that's definitely for, you know, that's been my driving force for a long time is like, I just want to be loved, you know? <laughs> and as I've gotten older, I realize, well, you got to love yourself, like what you're saying mm-hmm. somewhat, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Even what you were doing, it's like when you realize, like, I got to be better, you know, it's like part of that comes from loving yourself, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my relationships, it's been complicated for sure, mm-hmm. you know? Not, not something I totally want to get into on here, but I will say, like, my current girlfriend uh she's great i mean she's somebody who really has like kind of cast a mirror on myself she's one of the first people i feel like who like really sees through me and is able to kind of reflect that image like that i need to see and point things out and really has been helping me kind of get to the core of some of the things that you know i haven't been able to work on for a long time because she sees it so clearly and is able to kind of show me that in a way that's very loving and you know mm-hmm. like that's positive yeah you just said it right there mirror you know when you're in a relationship with somebody and they can call you out and help you along the way that's it's like uh 
that's a successful relationship. Sure. So before it would be my way or no way, or it would be their way in no way because they were, you know, overpowered me. Yep. Um, but that be in a uh, genuine committed relationship to where you can communicate and somebody can call you out like I do with my what, what have with my wife. Yeah, it's there's no better feeling. Totally. Because if, for somebody to put me in my place, but in a respectful way to make me look at it finally. Yeah. Because before I just want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what the fuck is wrong with you? Or, or you, know? you or you get to that point where it's just like, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Right. You know what I mean? Like, all right, listen, there are always two different perspectives. And sometimes you're going to get to a point where it's like, no, we just think about things differently. But and I accept that. Right. Right. But then there's like points where it's like, no, I'm right. And I'm right. And you never get to a point where you compromise or like it's just like just beating your head against the just wall. Beating your head against the wall. That's <laughs> yeah. the worst. dude. It's like I yeah. hate that. So it's I nice know. to be in a situation yeah. where it's like, sure, we recognize sometimes we see things differently. And 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 or we find it's like I see things differently, but we can compromise. You know, we can get to something where it's like, I don't exactly do things like that. You don't exactly do things like this, but we're still going to try to figure out how we can meet each other in the middle. Right. You know, nice. I'm like, so, yeah, I Works. feel like I'm in a good yeah. spot right now. Yeah, you, it, 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 you good, definitely are. Good girl. You definitely are. Yeah. What, what uh, was the military like? Uh, Wait, what, what branch were you in? I was in the Navy. Okay. Six. So yeah. the, you start traveling again. Exactly. <laughs> on a like, boat. Back on a boat. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. So a couple things. You know, part of it was staying out of trouble, right? Another yep. thing was I lived half an hour outside New York City when 9-11 happened. Mm. So that hit home hard. Wow. You know, like literally there are kids in my school who lost both their parents. Their parents worked in New York City at the Twin Towers and lost both their parents that day. So yeah. it was like crazy, dude. I remember that I could see the smoke rising from where the towers have been hit. Oh, shit. You know, where, did, where did you live? Um, Milburn and like, do you know where, like, uh, I'm trying to think I was half an hour from the city. Right. So uh, it's, uh, you know, do you know where summit is or, yeah. okay. I live right near summit. Oh shit. New Jersey. Yeah. I went yeah. to high school there. Yeah, Milburn close. high school. Yeah. That's, that's close. Yeah. It was super close. Yeah. I was in, uh, down like, um, outside of Williamsburg, just outside of Williamsburg in Bed-Stuy, but like just outside of Williamsburg. So you were there too. Yeah, yeah. Like we were like in the mix but it's it's crazy like coming from where i come from like when when that whole thing happened it was like uh it affected it affected like um because you remember what it was like in the city when that whole thing happened so when 9-11 happened it was like pretty much where we were at there was no police so like the 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 military had to come in and it was like um kind of like martial law in a way, you know, where it was just like there's armed, armed like, military police Armed on streets. every corner. Like, yeah. it was it was real crazy, like, because it was like you were not, like, you were in the States, but you were almost in a war zone type shit. I mean, it like, was kind of a war zone in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, you saw what downtown looked like. Yeah, it, it looked like shit. It was bad. Crazy, it dude. was so bad. And even for years later, it was like there was yeah. chunks of the building, other buildings around it. Other buildings around it, around it yeah, that were missing. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so that was something that was clo- hit close to home right you know and i kind of i felt like i had a duty to do for the country and wanted to I, I, you know I, now being a little bit older and wiser and understanding what kind of really did transpire during that time it's like i mean i feel really good about my time in the service i'm proud of that time in the service and what we do in the military isn't just fight wars we actually do a lot of humanitarian effort and 
I mean, the Navy especially, it's like we were saving people out at sea all the time and rescuing these refugees. And like, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of positive things that the military does that I don't think a lot of people realize. That war on the other side, or or the other hand, it's like, dude, I was totally sold into Iraq has weapons of of, uh, mass, you know, destruction and all that crap. And it was like, this is such, like now I'm like, quit bullshit. Why were we there? You know what I mean? Why were we in Iraq? What did that have to do with what happened in Afghanistan and Pakistan? What did that have to do with actually Al Qaeda? You know, like it it didn't. It no. was whatever whatever that was. So it's called, it's called oil. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But well, it's you bush, know, bush, as a kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what my daddy couldn't do. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> whatever it was, but yeah. you know, I was like at the time, and I didn't think about it that way. I was just like, I got a duty. I'm gonna yes. you know end terrorism. And fuck yeah, I'm sure you were like, fuck these motherfuckers. Fuck these motherfuckers. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And then uh, I think we all were though. Yeah, we all, dude. We, it was the most united yeah. I feel like this country has ever been with Absolutely. after 9/11. And yeah. then now we've well, who knows what we've ended up as. But yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy because I remember going to school and like all the branches of the military were going to the schools in my neighborhood trying to get people that come and, and they join. were trying they were trying to get motherfuckers in yeah they were trying to get you to sign up and I mean like they did yeah they took a lot of motherfuckers from they Brooklyn. sure did dude <laughs> they sure did they took a lot of motherfuckers it was crazy but you know good good on them and I think and honestly also again having been in the military I feel like it was such a good experience growing up through the military like getting that like maturity like you there's so many soft skills that you get from being in the military which is like leadership teamwork Mm -hmm. you know understanding that like dude i remember in boot camp there are kids who like didn't speak english i'm like how the fuck like what how did this guy get into boot camp you know what i mean like but anyway he didn't even really speak english and here we are we're doing battle stations we're trying to like plug holes in these walls and it's seamless Cause we're all like, we're there. We don't even need to talk. We understand the mission. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something that was really cool. Like later on in life, it's like you have that understanding with people and you know how to build a team and you, and like right. that has really carried through with a lot of my life and, mm-hmm. right. you know, and then the, the camaraderie and the brotherhood and, you know, that like love that you can find for someone who had, isn't in your family mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and carry that through your whole life. You know what I mean? And like have those kind of bonds. Like it's good. It's good for a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think, especially today, like, yeah, I think, I think you know, people need to, you I, nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I think like what you were going through in your life and everything like that, like it, it, it hit you at the right time. I needed I it. Yeah. Totally. How long did you do it? Five, five, five years. years. It was cool. Military was cool. I mean, and, you know, two of my best decisions in my life was the day I joined the military and the day I got out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that should be a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've heard that often by yeah. people saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what the Navy slogan is, right? Mm. What's it? Accelerate your life. That's their slogan. Accelerate, oh, wow. your life. Accelerate your life. And I figured out what that means. Okay. It means that you're gonna get divorced. Way younger than you should be. Absolutely. You're going to have way too many kids at a young age. Check mark. You're going to go bald, you know, way before you should. Yeah. You're going to get a pot belly, and yeah, you get wow, to retire. Sounds like the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, think Nate, I think Dustin was in the Navy. <laughs> 
And everybody say goodbye to Rafa. He's going mute. <laughs> hey, so, you know, I had no idea that you're in the military, and you didn't share that with me. Maybe No, right? You didn't. I don't think so. Okay, yeah. So I was in the gym this morning. Yeah. Old Papa Juan was there. Nice, and dude. Like, I love Papa and, Juan. And I was, yeah, I was saying, hey, you know, your, fr- your friend's going to come on the show today. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, he was in the military, too. And I'm like, perfect. I had no idea. You were know you, what I mean? Were you in the military? Never. Okay. No, no, no. No, sure. I, I, that's what I was saying. I wish I did something like that yeah. because I, I would have probably had some better leadership skills. My skills that I've had, you know, that I have now happened at 34 when I got clean, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I, there was a lot of years of fucking shit in my life. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of I, I, I did a lot of growing pains to say the least, yeah. you know, so. Oh, yeah, dude, I, I actually worked on the helicopters that Juan flew. Okay. No I mean, way. Not, not literally the ones he was in. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he flew a bunch of different aircraft, but the same airframe that I worked on, he he had flown at some point in his career. Right. Uh, so that was that was like your job title in the military. You were working like, on the helicopter. Aviation structural mechanic. Oh it's wow. Actually, the sticker I gave you guys. Yeah, I was about to say it looks pretty familiar. It, yeah. So that that is the air warfare pin. So that's like. Mm-hmm. When you, I mean, you can get these like surface warfare and air warfare. Usually, if you're in the air department, you get that pin, but you have uh-huh. to, you got to work on it. So it's right. all about knowledge. It's like you have to know all the different types of ships and aircraft, and you have to prove it in a test. And nice. You got to be this air warfare. You have pin. to be pretty smart, probably, too, right? I mean, ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is your, not to, not to backpedal, but I was just thinking about this. So, what is your relationship with your parents now? Uh, I haven't talked to my mother in eight years. Oh boy, yeah. And then my dad, we're still we're still tight. We're good. He actually lives out here in Alpine. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's like, is he? What is he doing? Uh, allegedly, oh, I mean, <laughs> is he yeah, just allegedly. really? Is he really I smart? He still living... messing with stocks yeah, or so Alpine? Was, where? <laughs> yeah. He. I don't know, man. It's like. So as I've been going through this process of kind of dealing with the things, the trauma from my childhood and all that, Absolutely. I've learned a lot about him in the process, you know, and, and I understand him a lot better. But what I'm what I have found in life and you guys have seen this a lot, and especially in addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you have the you ever hear that story of the twins and how, you know, they grew up with alcoholic parents. And one twin says, you know, I'm never touching alcohol. Because obviously, because my parents were alcoholics. And then the other twin says, of course I'm an alcoholic because my parents were alcoholics, right? It's like we have people out there who it's like they're, they kind of have this victim mentality, right? you know, like, and I think when you can get past that and realize like, and that was when I was saying earlier, there's this day when I really realized how fortunate I was to have that crazy childhood that I didn't live the normal American way that I got to see so much incredible, beautiful life. Like, I stopped being a victim. Like, oh, poor me. Mm. I didn't get to play fucking football. You know what I mean? And I think uh, the thing with my dad is, like, he had a lot of stuff in his childhood where he wasn't really cared for and loved for the way he should have been. And, you know, like, the whole escape and all that stuff. Later on, like, as I was going through my personal journey, therapy, books, all this stuff, I started realizing, like, damn, man. Like, can you imagine being in a place where you're so hurt? And, you know, you're willing to risk everything and walk away from something like a minimum security prison. Like, you know, you got to be in some kind of place mentally. 
Yeah, I mean, especially if you're only in there for three years, too. I mean, which is a long time. Sure. Don't I mean, don't get it fucked up. Yeah. If you're doing any sort of time, it's a long time. Well, and but that's a short amount of time. Consider it with all things considered. And you're in a so I mean, I get what you're saying, because it's like, man, you could have just stayed for three if years. He had stayed. He would have actually been able to. He was at the time he was um appealing his case. He would have. I, I don't know if you I think he if he he had stayed because his ex-partner stayed and they appealed the case. He got out earlier. And he didn't lose all his money. That was the big thing. They they wiped this half billion dollar thing clean off his off, slate. Off the other guy. Off the other guy. Because he not stayed and did a court appearance or whatever. And my, not my dad. My dad was in the middle of the South Pacific. Oh, no. He wasn't there to do it. You know what I mean? So, oh, that's horrible. That's well, fucking horrible. You know, like. But well, it, again, has its, it, has its, it has its perks, though. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, the way I see it is, like, in your life. When would you get another opportunity? Like, especially the way, you know, we have to live. Like, when would you get another opportunity to travel like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's unless you put yourself in a very, like, positive, like, part, you know, a lot of the times in society, you know, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to travel to like that. that you know what I'm saying? So, like, it has, it has like, you got to think, too, like, the amount of love that he did have for you. To for be sure. to the point to where it's like, you know what? I got to get the fuck out of here. I got my kid. I got my girl. I got to go. Yeah. I can't be up in here for three years. I can't walk away from my family sure. like that. You know what I'm saying? So there's like a lot of different parts that he had that he was probably going through and everything I mean, I like wish, that. I wish you know? that was actually the case. Honestly. Right, right. Like, I think the reality was it was really selfish. Right. You know, like, yeah, I know he, dude, his kids are everything to him. Like, he really right. does love us. And I think one of the biggest hurts he has in his life now is that time that he got taken away from us. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But at the same time, dude, like, my mom was a model. She was 20 years younger than he is. Oh, shit. You know, she got, he met her when she was like 17. He was 37 years old. You know, he owned the modeling agency that she was working at. And, you know, and it's like, dude, I, I mean, fuck, dude, I'm 37 right now. I can't imagine dating a 17-year-old girl. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, again, this goes back to that, like, trauma shit where it's like he had, I mean, it's a different time, too. Back then, I feel like it was like, hell, yeah, dude, you got a 17, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not that's not quite where he was hanging out with. But, you know, I think the other thing is my mom had a really, like, she's a narcissist, no doubt. We use that word a lot. You know, it's like freely thrown around like, oh, they're narcissists, influencers are narcissists, you know what I mean? But like there's a legit medical or psychological condition of narcissism. My mom is textbook that she's mm. that person. And the thing about narcissists, real narcissists, is that they're extremely cunning. They're very like charismatic and they pull you in. And she came out of Texas was this poor girl, got finally got into modeling, was kind of making it in New York. And guess what? She found the freaking... Cha -ching. The golden ticket. Yeah, the golden ticket. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but, and then he was like in this place of like, I just want to be loved. Same thing that I was going through, right? I oh, just want to be loved. Mm. And, you know, here's this little beautiful thing, just giving him that love that he thinks he... Attention. Right. Attention, yeah. everything, right? Yeah. And then it, it just like, he, he got so drawn in. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have dealt with narcissists in your life, but mm. like, dude, they draw you in. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you're weak, if you're somebody who is empathetic if you're somebody who is needing love desperately if you have all those voids in your life guess what the like 
biggest, most attractive thing is, is a narcissist. You know what I mean? Like, that's why when I got, when I was in my twenties, like all these girls that I was going for were really like lousy partners and girlfriends and all that. It's because like, I just, you know, they were giving me little bits of attention and that was like enough that I was like, Oh, you know, and I was like jumping on it and you know, like, but really it wasn't good. It wasn't healthy love, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the same thing is like, I think for my dad. And then what happened is dude, when he got locked up, dude, she was like, what, 23 or whatever at the time? No. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was, so I think she was like 27 years old or something when he was locked up. Dude, she was like, hell yeah. Woo. I got the money. I got the house. Like, she just like was having a blast, dude. You yeah. know, like she went out, started, she was having dudes over. You know what I mean? I remember like she oh, invited. I gotta feel, I gotta feel bad. As dude, I w- so her, she would have this dude over and my dad's in prison. And, um, and then his kids are like beating the shit out of me and my brother. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, she's off in the bedroom, like doing her thing. Right. Damn. Like, you know, so obviously he's on the other end of this sitting in a minimum security prison. His heart is crushed because he's so like and enamored and in love with this idea of a person, mm. like obviously not a good person, you know what I mean? And that's and why he left. Fuck yeah, that's why he left. I mean that makes sense now. Yeah, totally. Fuck so th- yeah, I mean that 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 makes sense now. He he, I mean you hit it right on the head. Even with your family, I need my family. No, he needs her. He needs he needs to be around her. I mean, he, she had him hooked. She had him hooked, and then on top of that, <sighs> the kids are getting abused. And, yeah, you know what I mean. And so he was like. And his whole world came crashing down. Like, you know, like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He really didn't do anything wrong, you know? So now he's sitting in prison for something he didn't do wrong. He was trying to do the right thing by standing up for himself. And then he's got this, like, you know, enamoring, beautiful woman (laughs) that he's just sucked into, Mm. you know? And it's not even, it's not really her. It's an idea. It's a fantasy. Yeah. I think a lot of us get pulled into that Absolutely. fantasy yeah. especially with women and relationships you know Damn, yeah they That's are crazy. the devil <laughs> <laughs> they can be dude i ain't being quoted on be. saying that shit oh yeah pussy right. yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing uh what is your dad like i mean did he find love again has he remarried oh, or man. no is I he wish. still he's oh. still hooked on that no he's not okay i think he sees it more clearly but he's Good. like living in this world now of like post-traumatic stress disorder and it's just kind of a little bit victim mentality, you know? Mm. Like, I feel like it'll hurt him if he hears this, but the truth is, dude, it's like, yo, you had so much more after you got out of prison, but instead you let everything that happened in the past affect you. You know what I mean? And, mm. like, it's like there's a good saying I, I read not long ago. It's like people who are depressed are, are caught up in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are anxious are caught up in the future. Mm. And people who are present are content, you know, the people who are living right here and now. Right. And I think like, Beautiful. yeah. And I think, um, that's the thing. He's so stuck in the past. You know, I think me now I'm kind of still a little d- too stuck in the future. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm pretty yeah. anxious in general, you know, like yeah, always yeah. worried about like what's next, you know, and trying to learn, trying to get into that part of my life where I'm present. So I right. can be content. That's probably why you like doing all them rides. A hundred percent, bro. Because the motherfucking rides, like, did you do? Like, there's times when I go on a ride and I'm like smashing them, then I'll just like slow the fuck down. And I'll just like look. And I do it all the time. I'm just looking. And then these dudes end up going another way. And I'm still driving straight, like, oh man, look at this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh fuck the pack, you mm-hmm. know? And like, 
yeah, like that. That's that's awesome. Like, cause it's like that that feeling of content. Like, I feel like a lot of guys when they're riding and stuff like that. That's why they go on these distant rides and stuff like that. Hundred you know? percent, yeah. definitely, dude. I, I think so. On that note, there's a couple of things I'd love to say. Is yeah. like uh, the other day I wrote something that was I travel. What did I say? Uh, oh man, can I pull it up real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, here, let me pull it up. I want to read exactly what I said. You got me hooked. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello. No, just... That too. Where is it? Here we go. I travel because I'm looking to be whole. Mm. I adventure because it's the only time I'm present. So that's what we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. And I do extreme because it's that edge that I really learn who I am and what I'm made of. I love hard because I was hardly loved. Mm. Mm. So that's something the other day that I was that I wrote down that's and it's fantastic. Yeah, and I feel like but that's so what what I'm saying is like the reason I adventure man is cuz it literally is that one time that I get to be like in I'm there, you yeah. know, like nothing else matters. Like that's why I love riding motorcycles and I think a lot of us do cuz it's like everything literally all your problems are back there, right? Right, right. <laughs> and up there I don't really know what I'm going to come into. I don't really care. I'm just right here right now. I can smell this place. I can feel the temperature. You know, like right. I'm right here at this mile marker on the road, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I like the steps that we have too for a ride. Yeah. So for me it's like the first let's just say 5 or nah, whatever, 5 miles, right? Not even that. But I'm still thinking about what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the next 5 miles I'm thinking about the destination. You know what I mean? And by the 10th mile I'm already thinking about <sighs> who knows what half the time i'm just i'm just in la la land and i'm i have the complete self freedom of being on the bike mm. and you know even like smells and uh, my awareness level is so high like it's just it's a the best feeling to not have my thought process on everyday life sure you know and i think that's why i enjoy riding so much and i wish that would happen immediately when i got on yeah, the bike right. you know it, you're right it is like phases it like is. you're still like you leave the house and you're like fuck what I forget, you yeah. know what I mean? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Drive everything. And then you get far yeah. enough away, you're like, well, oh, fuck, I forgot it now, yeah. so it doesn't matter, right? right. <laughs> right. right. And so you're not worried about it anymore. But yeah. for sure, there's like these phases of the ride. And so what I've found in adventure riding, you know, there's so many different types of motorcycle riding and motorcycles out there. You got the sports bikes guys and you know track people, and you got you know cruisers and the gnarly Harley crowd, and you got the distinguished gentlemen on triumphs and like you know what i mean there's just so many different kind of communities and mm-hmm. motorcycling which i think is so rad right mm-hmm. but adv and i think part of my allure to it is like there's a few things but one the top is that camaraderie that you have when you go out with a group of dudes and chicks or whatever because like when we go out and ride here's the difference between cruising on a road and adventure riding is that cruising on a road like yeah maybe i got a cardo or a Senna or a lexan whatever right and you guys are all chatting amongst each other, but probably not. Most of the time, maybe you're listening to music or maybe you don't even have a comms in your helmet, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to adventure riding, that is actually super important. You really need to have comms because we're going through the rugged terrain where it's like, you know, like literally you're riding down some shit, go around a blind corner, and it's like there's a fucking ravine there or there's a wash or something. So you got to let all your buddies know behind you or... You got somebody behind you and they go down and they need help getting their bike up or whatever. So there's a lot of like 
communication. It's a huge team effort. You know what I mean? And like, I think that's super cool, like a cool element of doing this exploration, this backcountry exploration with a group of people where you have a purpose and a team and you're trying to make it through these different difficult scenarios, you know, on the trail, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it is like the military in a lot of ways. Like yeah. that's the closest thing that I've found in motorcycling, at least where it's like that team effort to get, you know, like the big thing is like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Right. And so I think like when it comes to adventure riding, it's like we're on this journey together, together to get there. You know, like you still kind of have it when your bike broke down on your trip up to Zion. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys, I'm sure helped each other out and tried to help you figure out how to get your bike to Zion Harley and all that stuff. Right. Like we had a chase truck and then the homies just like pretty much picked up the fucking bike and threw it on the back. (laughs) Yeah, right. They literally they, they, they was literally like no ramp. No sure. nothing. It was like two, yeah. or, two or three of them just picked up the the Harley Lowrider S and no they just kidding. picked it up and just threw it <laughs> threw on it the back. The, yeah, the bike. There's no better. There's no better community. I've said it before on the show, and I'll keep repeating it because there isn't yeah. the motorcycle community, and it's so diverse. It's so diverse, and yeah. it's it's just the best. It's the by far the best community. I mean, people will literally do whatever you need and want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like whatever situation that you're in. That's true, dude. And I think to take it a step farther, Harley is like, that's the one brand that I found. It's so weird. Like, and this is another thing I do want to talk about too, is Harley yeah. and the brand itself. But dude, it's such like a cool, it's so much more than a bike, you know, Harley in particular. Right. Like there are places that I've pulled up to a gas station and like number one question you get when you're riding a Pan America is, is that a Harley? Right. I guess the first question I feel like I get all the time. And, uh, you know, and it's like, yeah, it is Harley. And then it's like, so some guy comes up and he's like, is that a Harley? And then the next thing is he starts telling me this cool story about how he rode Harleys with his dad. You know, like, and it's like all these people have this connection to this brand that's that extends way beyond, you know, just a freaking motorcycle. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like these are core memories for people. And with this iconic American brand, I think that's something really cool. And the other thing is like how much people open their doors because of the brand. Like I went to India this summer and we reached out through Instagram to people over there and like, hey, we want to come ride Harleys over in India In India. Right. Dude, people invited us to their houses. They brought us to their temples. They told us where to go. They took uh, they showed us they got on a bike and rode with us to the Taj Mahal. Because they were worried about us being able to ride through the crazy streets of India, you know? Right. Just so opening and welcoming, and it was amazing. How was that like? It was wild. That is fucking unbelievable. But uh, Because everybody rides out there, though, right? A lot of riders, yeah. There's like a lot of motherfucking motorcycles. A lot of motorcycles, yeah. And scooters, too, right? Scooters, but mostly, they are motorcycles over there, because they're more of like a utility machine right like people are carrying all their stuff and everything on it yeah so southeast asia definitely a lot of uh, like a lot of scooters in general i feel like india was more it seemed like they had more motorcycles than scooters but like you go to like vietnam or i've ridden in bali indonesia like there it's a lot of scooters you know yeah yeah that's crazy yeah so like um how long after you left the military did you start getting into motorcycles so i had a motorcycle when i was in the military i had a gixxer 1000 Nice. I got stolen on my freaking deployment, so that was mm. awesome. And then I ended up, 
spending that entire deployment paying off the bike because I didn't have insurance that covered the theft. Mm. <laughs> so that sucked. Yeah. Expensive fuck. lesson. Yeah, expensive yeah. lesson. Also, whoever right. stole that bike, fuck you. Yeah, you piece of shit. Piece of shit. I hope you crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's fucking get him, yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then I got a CBR 900. From my dad actually gave it to me. It was his bike. It was a 93. So it was kind of cool because it was like the first version of a honda cbr 900 that looked like a sports bike right you know like before right. that they kind of looked kind of goofy i think you yeah know? And, and not like what we think of as a sports bike today yeah. they weren't they, all aerodynamic they look like a uh, cafe racer kind of yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah so um uh, and then like i had my daughter and i and i had a couple scares i rode up i used to ride up on the cbr 900 to la and do stuff up there and i just dude people suck on the road L.A. especially. L.A. especially. They hate motorcycles. And then they're idiots. I mean, there are a lot of idiots on the road, period. But, like, I don't know. It's just scary. Yeah. It's real you know? congested. It's so, congested. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I almost indoed a couple times, like, trying to stop. And, like, so anyway, I was like, you know what? I don't want my daughter to be without a father, you know? And then that bike sat in the garage for 10 years. And then, like, actually started hanging out with my new girlfriend and she was really into motorcycles and you know i was like man i really like motorcycles and then at that point you know i was i had split up with my ex and uh and i was like well she's old enough if i die she'll be all right she'll survive right <laughs> i'm trying not to die still don't worry <laughs> right. but you know like and i got back into it right nice and then when did you purchase the that pan america pan america so the back story kind of is is that my current girlfriend, she, her and I met up. We've known each other for a long time. But she was like, I'm riding my Lowrider S to all four corners of the U.S. Mm. And I was like, well, that's dope. I'm like, do you have any sponsors or anything? And she's like, no. And I was like, well, what do you say I make, we make a video together and see if we can get you some sponsors? And she's like, all right, you know, whatever, right? What yeah. has she got to lose, right, you know? Yeah. So we put together this video. She was working at a marketing agency, and they had access to, like, emails and specifically had a couple at Harley. So she sent that video to Harley and they got back to her and they're like, we love this. We want to, we would love to be a part of what you guys are or what you're doing. Um, and we want to loan you our new bike. And this is in 21, 2021. Right. And it was the pain America. So she was like, all right, you know, they wanted to loan it for part of her trip. So sure. they gave it to her for like three weeks or something like that. And so she rode 5,000 miles on that bike, you know, in that three week period of time. And then, uh, she's just started like, blown up on instagram and uh and it was cool I, and i saw the bike and i was like man that thing's cool i didn't know anything about adv like nothing you know what i mean i didn't i had never seen long way round i don't know have you guys seen that mm -hmm. with ewan mcgregor it's a it's a it's actually a really good show you should check it out a lot yeah. of people got into adv because of this film because of the show. so i got into adv because of the harley pan america right you know what i mean and and what ended up happening is i was like that's cool and like i think it's interesting that it can go off-road but also it's kind of like a cruiser so I can crush miles. And as a filmmaker, photographer, like this is kind of like a utility vehicle. Like I can put my camera gear on it, get ahead of people and kind of go off road so I can get good shots. Cool. Mm -hmm. I like this idea. You know what I mean? Like that's where my brain was at when I got right. the bike. And I just like the way it looks. I'm it like, does. It looks a cool looking fucking bike. cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was like, this thing's sweet. And, um, and, uh, you know, Harley American I'm a veteran, like, all right. You know, and like, and then, 
yeah, I just, then what happened is I ended up doing a, a project where I went and followed my girlfriend and another influencer into Sturgis and they were riding the Pan Americas off road into Sturgis. And they were like, you know, the idea was they're kind of the first people to ride off road into Sturgis. Right. And I put, I filmed that whole thing. And on that trip, I really got to kind of try out the bike a little bit. And I was like, dude, this thing's sick. It's comfortable. You know, like the, my CBR 900 dude, after an hour riding anywhere, it was like my back killed me. You know, I'm sitting there leaning on the tank, you know, that typical sports yeah. rider. What's going on guys? Dustin with the LFG 1904 show. Reconstruction Rescue is your best choice for flood restoration services in San Diego County. With years of experience in the industry, their dedicated team of project managers will work hand in hand with you from start to finish, specializing in home insurance, water damage claims. They take on the headache of dealing with your insurance company so you don't have to. Call this number today for a free estimate. 760-891-9919. Once again, that number is 760-891-9919. Reconstruction Rescue. Y'all know the deal. Pose, right? And, like, it just sucked. And it had no mileage, like, you know, like, and this thing, I'm sitting upright, and I, I can go off-road, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I didn't... It's high enough where it's high. gets clear. It's yeah, and it's got 150 horsepower right out of the factory. Yeah, those things are fucking fast. Fast, dude. dude. 550 pounds fast. away. Yeah. yeah, they're sick, right? So then I was like, this thing's sick. I want one. Right. You know what I mean? And it was that was their first year. And you really shouldn't buy a first-year bike, you know what I mean? And yeah. on top of that, everybody's like, don't buy a Harley. Like, you know, and I, dude, I would have never bought a Harley before. I was not into it. I, I, to me, it was like... I'm, I, you see how I was thinking about this bike? It's like, it's a, it's the use. It's how I can use it. Right. And to me, like a sports bike is like, you know, that's a, this nimble machine and that's what it's supposed to be for. You know what I mean? Like I just hadn't really actually given cruisers a shot, but in my mind, it's like, no, those things are these heavy clunky things and I would never ride that or whatever. And so then like I got the Pan America and I realized I had no idea what I was doing, especially mm. off road, you know? Mm. And I had this guy who he's part of the Harley Davidson Pan America demo team. And he's going all around the country showing people about this bike. And he saw my pictures and he was like, he reaches out to me over Instagram and he goes, dude, I really like your images. They're super cool, but I can tell you don't really know how to ride that bike. And he's like, I want to take you out. Right. You know? And I was like, all right, cool. You know? And so we went on an adventure, like, and this is the first time I'd ever taken the bike off roadish and had somebody kind of teaching me how to the ways you know mm. and uh we went up to death valley and we rode through it and dude from that moment like going through these back roads and like riding with this dude and like camping out in the middle of fucking nowhere where there's nobody right like that was the moment where i was like i'm hooked yeah like, this is awesome you know what i mean and he he became my mentor and actually, he's the guy I'm going to go to New Zealand with. We're going to go ride Pan Americas in New Zealand. Nice. So in like two weeks, I'm oh. off there, right? Yeah. Um, so that'll be cool. What an amazing trip. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Harley, dude, in Pan America, it was just it's such a cool thing. Harley came out hitting so hard with that bike, you know, like jumping into this adventure community and like they did a good job. How crazy is it that they actually just reached back out to your girlfriend? I mean, that's an amazing story. That they were like... Like, yeah, they, they, they got the email. I mean, because it just seems like you almost need to know somebody, you know? Sure. To, to, get, to get somewhere, right? Yeah. But, I mean, she got the email back, and then they gave her a bike. And where did she ride from? She rode from L.A. is where you pick up the... the they have, like, a fleet there where they have the loaner bikes. Sure. So she rode from there, went up to... Did she go up to Washington? 
Yeah, I think she had to have, right? That's, that's part of yeah. the four corners. Yeah. yeah. And then um, then she rode back down and came back through Vegas and kind of looped back. And she did like a big chunk and yeah. then brought the bike back. And then she got on her lowrider S and finished the trip. Oh, right. So Beautiful. she did the rest of it on her, on her bike, which she, you know, she, it, the Pain America wasn't her bike. You know what I mean? She had built yeah. her Lowrider S out to be her bike. And right. she did it. It was beautiful. I love that bike. It was really cool. Right. But she yeah, did it was. The trip. Did she do it by herself? She did. Yeah. Wow. What a G. Yeah. She's a gangster, dude. Dude, straight For up. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So the, you're, you're riding, you're riding and everything like that. You start taking like certain trips right like the guy opened up your eyes to seeing what the bike could fully do and all what was your first trip that you took with your team um i mean from there what i ended up doing is like going to like all the adv rallies okay. so there are eight like like you know sturgis and all that this is kind of equivalent of adv and i i like i just went on this like plunge you know like i really wanted to understand what the community was about and the other thing that happened is when we were when we did that first trip, we're sitting around the campfire, and the other guy's name is also Justin, and he's like, "What do you want to do with this, dude? Like, what's your what's your purpose?" And I was like, "You know, I I did this journalism stuff in sailing, and I want to do the equivalent in motorcycles. You know, I want to I want to get good enough on this bike that I can ride ahead of a group of people, take photos and video." And then leap, you know, go, they pass and I leapfrog over them and keep doing that over and over again. Right. And so the, the, like, that, that's another thing that's cool about ADV is like, it's a whole new skill you have to learn, mm -hmm. like riding around. It's not, not just like riding a dirt bike. It's a little, there's even more technique because it's a big, heavy bike. You know what Goddamn I mean? Tank, dude. It's a tank. Yeah. It's like riding around a couch on the dirt. It you know? really is. That's fucking, it has to be extremely difficult. It's actually it's not as yeah. hard as you'd think. It's I mean it's not like as you can't do the same stuff you can do on a dirt bike, but right. you know, some people can. It's crazy what some of these guys do on those bikes. But um yeah, anyway, I, I uh uh I, 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 that was the point when I was like, all right, I'm gonna skill up. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm gonna try to learn all this stuff. And that's when I started going to these ADV festivals and rallies and and also that's also kind of when I realized like, yeah, I found them I found my tribe. You know what I yes. mean? Like I went to Sturgis and it was like, all right, this is cool and crazy, and I don't, I don't need to come back here unless I'm going to work or something. And maybe you know, find a, if I find the right group, I'll go back to Sturgis again. But it's not like that's not my place. That's not my scene. And the reason being is because I went to my first ADV rally, and everybody uh, ends up going like um, to bed at ten o'clock at night. Right. You know, they're not getting wasted, and. They wake up early the next day and they want to just go ride. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's all about. It's all about going out and and riding. Yeah. You know? and like, uh, when did you decide to go to Alaska? I haven't gone to Alaska. You haven't gone to Alaska? Nah. I'm going to try the summer with Cause, Eagle Rider. Because there, there's a ride. There's like a, because when you were saying that you were going to a bunch of them, uh, there's a ride that they actually smash up to Alaska. Yeah. And everything like that. And I've seen it a couple of times. Like, I don't know, man. Like when it comes down to like motorcycles and stuff like that, like. I fuck with it all, like yeah. dirt bike, street bike, little. I have a Grom that I'm working on, and um, whatever, whatever is on two wheels, I fuck with. You know, sure. currently I have a uh, twenty two thousand five Harley Road Glide EFI. I'm not sure, but it's a it's a bigger bike and stuff like that. I'm learning how to you know really get down on it. It's fun, you know, but 
I've always looked at like, you know, adventure biking and stuff like that, and always looked at it like, damn, you know, some of the shit these guys be doing is kind of crazy because like they they take off and they they smash into Alaska, not using any roads. Like it's crazy. It's just wild to that. So like, have you heard of uh, the backcountry discovery routes BDR? Uh, I back. Country Discovery Routes, no, no. Okay, so it's a nonprofit organization. Uh-huh. And what they do is they find as much of a dirt road going through a state as they possibly can. That's fucking wild. And they, yeah, and they, they route it and, you know, basically they put together a film. And so, like, I think they have, like, I think it's like 10 or it's between 10 and 15 of them right now. I forget how many mm-hmm. they have. But it's a dirt ride through each state. You know what I mean? Like right now, there's Arizona, there's Southern California, mm-hmm. there's a Utah BDR, mm-hmm. there's an Idaho BDR, there's a Wyoming BDR. So basically, you can just ride up to it on the pavement. Right. You know? So this is the beauty of an adventure bike: you ride up yeah. to it on the pavement, and then you hit the dirt, and you just go up an entire state on the dirt. That's I just fucking crazy. It's so cool. I just did yeah. the Arizona BDR, and it was fucking rad, dude. Right. I mean, a little bit shitty because we had. One of the guys actually broke his leg on the trip on the oh, first shit. day. Damn. Um, and Crash. Was, Crash. He was doing wheelies mm. on the dirt. Yeah. And, you know, big KTM 890. Yeah. Oh, shit. Down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he just, he hit like a little silt patch and lost it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right in front of me, dude. It was crazy. Right. Yeah. I almost ran into him. I almost yeah. ran him over. I was yeah, you look cool, but. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I think he really has learned his lesson. and He's yeah. sitting on a couch right now and just fucking bummed. You know what I mean? Right. Missed out on a pretty epic trip. But, dude, that trip, though, was so cool. It was so amazing to, like, all right, here's our country. And, like, dude, there was one part where we were on the south rim. So mm-hmm. we're, like, we went off, and we're on the south rim on this little dispersed camping. There's nobody around, nothing around. It was just, like, ours right there on the edge of the Grand Canyon. mm you know, like so sick. Yeah, that's wild. Who, so, like, who like does like a majority of the planning? Like, when you go out with the with your guys and stuff like that, who does the majority of the planning for these rides? I mean, I've started planning my own trips now, but uh, like Justin obviously was the one who planned that trip, and he's planning our New Zealand one. Right. You know, like, dude, that guy is a badass. He's gone. He's ridden across Mongolia. He rode down to South America. He's done stuff in Africa. I mean. He's done some really wild stuff, and he can ride, you know? Like, he is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so when it came to this New Zealand thing, I was like, well, when it comes to taking pictures, you know, you can yeah, rely I on me. I got you. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to planning this out, that would be you, buddy, you know? Yeah. Right is this going to be on video? Hell yeah, it's going to be on video. So it'll be on YouTube and all yep. that. Everybody so can watch it. The, the interesting thing is, 29 years ago, I was in New Zealand, and mm. I was on the, f- the last time I was there, I was on the front page of every newspaper for like three days. Mm. We walked into the supermarket and we had the jur- we had journalists following us. We had their equivalent of the FBI following us and tapping our phones because my dad was on the run again, which, again, this is another crazy part of the story. Um, and then, yeah, we we're like literally checking out, trying to get our food at the grocery store. And there, there's our photo on the front of the fucking newspaper. Every one of them. You know what I mean? Like, that was 29 years ago, the last time I was in New Zealand. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going back. Homecoming, baby. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going back. Adventure riding. Redemption. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, redemption. Yeah, yeah that's sure. pretty tight. That's going to be fucking really epic. It's going to be a cool trip, for sure. So you, where, where, where can we watch it at? Uh, okay, so our YouTube channel okay. is called The Way We Roam. 
Um, we just, so actually this is kind of sweet. So we are launching our YouTube video through the Harley Davidson app, the HD app. So they're getting exclusive rights right away and that will be out next month. So you get a early preview of it and then we're going to put it on our YouTube channel in February, which is the way we roam. Mm. That's so sick. And and Harley like stands behind you guys on doing all this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, dude, so my gangster chick, right? She, when we went to India, this is when I was like, all right, this is dope. So I was like, we're on the comms, right? We're on the centers. And I was like talking to her. I was like, man, I, I just, I can't think of any other chicks that would do this. Cause this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I love that I can do this with you. And she's like, I don't think you know any dudes who could do this. <laughs> and I was like, she's right. <laughs> I love this chick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Marry me. <laughs> right. Marry me. <laughs> and the cop, uh, she's like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, marry me. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she like the other what i mean the big thing was is like when i travel a lot of time the way that i i roll is like i just kind of go where the wind blows me you know what i mean and like and that doesn't work for everybody you know like you guys know you've done a bunch of road trips like Mm -hmm. some people are like okay uh we need to be at you know x and x at you know 12 20 you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it's like so you got those guys right they're like super anal and then you got the ones that are just they don't even they're just they just showed up and you know, they're stoked to be there. Don't give a shit. Uh, That's me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, but, you know, so, like, when I'm traveling, I'm just, like, I'll meet somebody, and they'll be like, dude, you got to go here. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to go there. And then I'll meet somebody else, and they'll be like, you got to come to my house. <laughs> oh, okay, shit. Let's go to their house. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and so she was totally down with that. Everything. Every, the whole way. It was just like, and we had such an epic adventure because it was just like, we were dictated by what people kind of the locals right. told us we should go do. The only thing we had on the map was Taj Mahal and the Himalayas. Right, you know, like, right, right. But we had a couple weeks where it was just like, let's see where the wind blows us. You know, let's see mm. where the road takes us. Yeah. Right. How did you? So how did that that trip get planned? Mm. Well, in what way? What do you mean by that? How so you you decided you're going to go to India. Did you already have people over there? Did you know? Um, or was it just like, hey, let's go fucking ride? No, it was definitely. Maggie wanted to go there really bad. Uh, that's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so it was kind of on the map. It was like a place that she's really been wanting to ride. And then, like two years ago, when I got started on the Pan America, like, and like, I'm obsessed. Like, I love the Pan America a lot. You know, I'm very passionate about this bike. So literally any piece of media that comes out on this bike, I've watched it. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched everything. Mm. And one of the things that I saw was this group of guys who had taken the Pan Americas up to the highest motorable road in the world in the Himalayas, which was like 19,000 feet. You know, and I was like, that's so sick. I watched this video. I was like, that's so fucking cool. This was a couple of years ago, right? And I was like, I want to go to India. I want to do this. And oh, I, shit. Yeah, and, I, I, and I, so I reached out to the guys who were on it. I found them on Instagram, and I was like, hey, like, that's so cool that you guys did this. And, you know, I'd love to come to India one day. I want to do that. And then it was like, then a couple of years later, like, things started sort of moving forward. It was like, we're going to fucking India. So I reached out to those same guys again and was like, hey. I'm in town. I, I told you I'm going to come one day, you know, and they're like, pulling up. They're like, <laughs> all right, you're coming. I was like, yeah, we're, co- I'm, we're, we're heading over there. You know what I mean? And they're like, all right, we'll hit us up when you get here. And they, they hooked us up with bikes. 
So we got Pain Americas when we were there. They hosted us. They were the ones who took us to the Taj Mahal. Like it was so rad. And again, yeah. this is that community. Community. You know I mean? Community of love, man. So badass. Yeah, and yeah. and social love. media, dude. The power of this shit. I know. You know, it could like, be such a positive thing in so totally. many ways. When there's so much negative out there, social media, I mean, it depends on what platform and what you're doing. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to, like, what you're just you're just investing in yourself and your time, you're, like, reaching out to people, and they're so receptive to it. I mean, come on. It's like everything was aligned for you to do that. Yeah. But I, that's why I, was, I, was, I find it interesting, like, you're just reaching out to somebody, and you, you made a decision, like, we're going to go to fucking India. I mean, you know what I mean? Our conversations are like... Where's your next LFG ride? Well, let's go to fucking Arizona, you know, <laughs> or let's go to Utah, or you know, what's whatever. But yeah, to yeah. India, yeah, that's fucking amazing. And New Zealand, like Jesus Christ, yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have your memories are gonna be just fucking. I mean, dude, I've lived a lot of life, a lot, a lot, a lot of a life, lot. yeah, for sure. This gray in my beard isn't here for no reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, looks, it looks good though. <laughs> Thanks, Goddamn bro. Goddamn silver fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <clears throat> Um, I, I'm, I'm going to look forward. I'm definitely going to watch the New Zealand one. For Do sure. you have any video out of when you guys were go going through India? I do. Okay. I'll show it to you guys. I need to see this. it. Yeah, I need yeah, to, cool. I need to see right. that, It's too. like a five minute. It was also, so what ended up happening is like, I'm, I'm a pesty motherfucker. You know, like when I want something, I just keep going. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to give up. And so um, I kept reaching out to Harley and I was like, hey, man, like we're going to India. And they're like, okay, whatever, dude, you know. Right. And then it was like, uh, and they're busy, dude. They have so much stuff going on, you know, like they're just, they have so many people out there trying to do stuff. And, and we do have a good relationship with them. Um, but I was like, hey, we're going to India. We're going to India. Going. And finally I was like, hey, I got Pan Americas over there. We're going to India. And, the, and they were like, you know, finally I think they're just like, let's shut them up. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll pay them. And so they actually, they paid for, to have us do this video about us riding Pan Americas in India, which was cool. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a massive budget or anything, but and it's on their app. Again, it was on their HD wow. app. So that's, that's fucking amazing. So we have a lot of cool exclusive content through their app. And yeah. I don't, do you guys know anything about the app? No, I don't. Okay. Explain it. So they have, it's the HD app. Uh, I think where the future of it is going is like, you can like earn money through it, apparently. Oh, shit. And, like, I think when it really, like, grows, what would be cool, what will be cool about this app is that, like, we all are on Instagram, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Instagram's kind of everything. This is just motorcycles. And what's, like, what's neat is, like, for me, especially, like, there aren't a whole lot of adventure guys that I know that well in my, in Vegas, you know what I mean? But through the app, I'll be able to find them, and we can plan routes, and you can share routes, and... You know, very cool. Yeah, build community. That is through, really cool, right? Because so, you go to any dealership locally, yeah, and they always have rides. Yeah, you know, in that area, exactly. But this, that's an amazing that's a thing. A community built. You know it's what I mean? Like thing. rides and stuff yeah. like that. When we travel, we could just any destination pull the app up. Totally. That's exactly great. So. Yeah, go somewhere and like, I wonder what's good to ride around here because yeah. that's a big thing, right? Like you Absolutely. get out in the middle of. You know, BF freaking Utah, and you're like, well, where do we go? You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Unless you had a Texas plan Roadhouse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, those yeah. poor people at Texas Roadhouse. We're ready. <laughs> we had we had like 13 people, right? At yeah. least, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was the only place that would take us in St. George with the fucking that bigger group of people, and we were fucking rowdy. Oh, I bet. We were fucking rowdy. Yeah. It's, it's funny. funny, man. People have that. And that's why we 
we love sharing our story because it's like, yeah, we're clean and sober, but we are fucking wild. Yeah. Just like the, like, you know, because people always say, man, what am I going to do when I get sober? Yeah. You know what I mean? My, my life is going to be so stagnant. And I'm going to be so boring. We're Doesn't the furthest, have to be like yeah, that. We're the furthest thing from fucking boring. Totally. You know, just buckle up and hop on because you're going to fucking go for a ride. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, man, I just fucking, uh, what an amazing fucking life that you've had and, and just the things that you're going to be able to do and especially on this on this motorcycle man i want to do a ride with you let's do it i fucking think that'd be cool as fuck. I'm, a, I'm a here in southern california quite a bit yeah i'm down oh uh, yeah I'm have down. you guys been out to the salt and sea or any of that stuff mm-hmm. yeah. some funky weird ass shit out there yeah we <laughs> we, there. we uh we rode out there a few times what is that what is that place called fucking salt and sea there's a um, the, there's the Salvation Mountain probably they, yeah that but yeah but they have and like that Slab City Slab, Slab City. City that's yeah. what yeah. it was Slab City what a fucking a weird fucking place yeah. dude weird Jesus place. what in the meth is going on what in the meth is going <laughs> on it's out there messing around yeah. just messing around messing bro. around out there bro oh. yeah. Yeah, what a, a fucking fun. rad spot, though. I mean, you talk about some cool history too. In the fifties, they wanted that to be a fucking so resort. Do you know the story? I mean, I, I knew that in the fifties they wanted it to be a resort. And so, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of obsessed on okay. the story because it's super go. interesting. So, let's go. What happened is Imperial Valley there. Mm-hmm. It used to be part of the Sea of Cortez, and then at some point, you know, land shifts and right. it cut off that section. So it's actually below sea level. That whole area is below sea level, and it's really nutrient dense because it used to be like seafloor, right? It mm-hmm. was seabed at some point. So there's a ton of nutrients in it. So in the late 1800s, they were like, well, this is a great place to farm, even though it's out in the middle of the fucking desert, but we need water, you know? And so what they ended up doing was diverting a section of the Colorado River over to this area so they could start doing agriculture there. And they didn't do a very good job. And what happened is it like flooded. And it made this big lake, the Salton Sea, right? Created that, Mm -hmm. like, you guys have been out there, right? right? And they're like, well, fuck, we got to see out here. But it's the desert. It'll probably dry up, you know? And then Mm -hmm. it didn't. And then what ended up happening is every year after the snow would melt, that thing would rise like 14 feet. And all these people were building farms and shit around it. But 14 feet and on, like, flat ground like that would wreck everything. So eventually the Army Corps engineers came in. They're like, we're going to build a proper dam. And we're going to make sure that we divert this water properly. And so they did. And when they did that, they're like, all right, well, Sayonara Lake. And it didn't didn't dry up <laughs> still, right? And so then, like, all this time goes past. People started stocking it full of fish, you know, and people were going out there and fishing. And then at some point, people started going out there and they're water skiing, you know, and everybody's like, it's, just, it's not drying up. This is awesome. Right. It's stocked with fish. We can go water skiing here. Like, this is Palm Springs, but with a fucking lake. And so they built a yacht club and and they were like, this is, you know, there's this huge real estate boom in the 50s. Right. And so everybody started building out all around this lake thinking this is going to be this massive boom, the next Palm Springs. And then one day there was a million fish die off just overnight. So literally millions of fish washed up on the shore there. And it smelled like, I mean, it smelled like you imagine, right? Mm-hmm. A million fish. And, like, to this day, if you go to, like, Jupiter Beach or whatever it is, you can see that there's fish bones that make up the beach. It's crazy. It's, like, the weirdest thing, right? And uh, so everybody freaked out. They're, like, it's probably sewage from Mexico, you know? And, like, and that was it. That was the end of it. 
and they they ended up like abandoning all the houses they were building. So if you go out there, you can see there's all these streets and street signs, but no houses, right? Because they started to kind of pave the way for a neighborhood, but then they freaked out and just left. Yeah, they stopped. They stopped. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So, so fucked. It's so fucked. And yeah. then later on, they figured out what it really was was actually the reason that the lake wasn't drying up was because it was getting runoff from all the farms in the area, all the water that was coming off the farmland was going and feeding the lake and that's high in, in salinity. And so basically that the Salton Sea at the time was super fresh water at the beginning because it comes from the Colorado River and over time it's become like almost like an ocean. It's actually more I think it has more salinity it in it than it does the ocean. It does, right? yeah. yeah. So uh nothing could survive, dude. Except yeah. for tilapia, I guess that's it. And they can barely survive. Can I bar- I I used to hunt out there. Yeah. And so uh Close to the edge where the where the runoff is, the tilapia would fucking be dead all over the shore there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it's a gnarly gnarly place. It's a gnarly place, but it's fucking really cool though. That's cool. Yeah, it's it really, weird. It is weird. It's like Post apocalyptic, yeah. methy place. Yeah, <laughs> I I knew somebody that lived out there too, because you know the weather. He had uh, lung cancer and he just he moved out there, but God, it smells so bad, too. dude. Dude. Oh, I've been out there when it's like, oh, man, <laughs> not good. I know. Yeah. We, we, when we go to Laughlin, we always go the back way and, and head all through the hills, and there. some beautiful riding back there. Yeah. But going to Laughlin, the back way is fucking beautiful, too. Yeah. What a fun ride. Yeah. What a fun ride. Totally. What is your next adventure besides New Zealand? Um, you I have, have any a- rides that you're planning on doing? Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, we're going full swing on our YouTube channel. Got it. So that's like, we're launching in February. Uh, and then now we have just a bunch of plans as far as like, we're starting in the Vegas area and kind of the idea of our show is like, these are rides that you can do in a day or two. Cause I mean, the thing is like, you guys haven't seen long way around with you and McGregor, which you should, it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, but you know, like what they did they went around the world on bikes Mm. and dude, not everybody can do. Most people definitely can't do that. Right. And like, so I think a lot of people saw that and they're like, this is cool. And I like what they were doing. I like the camping idea, all that shit. They bought these bikes and then they were like, fuck dude, I can't even take off a week to go do, you know, a a ride up to Utah or something. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, um, what we kind of want to offer is the ability to have these trips that you can do in your backyard over a weekend. Um, so that's kind of the basis of what our channel's about, but we are going to expand at some point. So right now we're kind of working on the Vegas area and then, dude, there's so much cool shit out in Vegas, like weird, wild stuff. Right. Um, and then we want to start to do like Southern California, like meet up with you guys, for example, and be like, Hey, what's your favorite ride? Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody comes from, you know, New Jersey or New York, right. No. And they, they never been to San Diego that they're going to go to the Eagle rider here and rent a bike what's the LFG ride? Right. You know what I mean? And like, we want to have that. We want to have like a whole playlist of like dope road rides and off road rides. Right. So, um, that's so that's part of it. And uh, oh, we can already, I can, already, we can already plan one right now. I mean, one of our, one of our best rides that we do, we start off from here and we ride through Julian and head down to, uh, Borrego. Borrego. You know, no. and that'd be cool because I, I there's a shit ton of off roading there too. Yeah. I know exactly. I've been all through there. I mean, it's yeah. great, dude. That's a great ride. It is super mm-hmm. cool. Banner guys, Great is one of the best rides. All the time. All the time. Yeah, we have a great relationship with them. That's right. Yeah, Good we're spot. gonna we're gonna do a lot of events with her this year. Cool. Uh, we already have like one planned right now, so 
Nice. But uh, yeah, Banner Grade is just what an epic fucking ride. Totally. I mean, that road is just fucking rad. Yeah, no, t- definitely. Um, but yeah, I think the big big trips for me yeah. is like, so New Zealand, um, working on some relationships there. But there, are, the Harley that we're working with is actually based out of Australia. Oh shit! Yeah, so I'm like, dude, New Zealand's dope, and it's it is actually like a lot of people don't know this, but it's kind of like an adventure secret of the world you know like for adventure riders you know like mm-hmm. it's just it's epic and i can't wait can't wait to get into it some of the stuff i've seen over there it's just like i mean they shot right. fucking lord of the rings there you know yeah we're exactly. gonna be like riding through the woods chasing hobbits it's gonna be awesome you know? <laughs> 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 um but uh mm-hmm. australia definitely i think would be an interesting one to go ride there and there's a huge harley community in in australia mm-hmm. so i kind of want to tap into that i'm interested I, you know like I'm down to go chase down some kangaroos after the hobbits, you know? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then um, after, maybe not after that, but some also I really want to do South Africa. You know, I think mm-hmm. that would be super sick, like Namibia. Absolutely. And I want to do it on a Pan America. You know, my mm-hmm. goal is to try to ride a Pan America in as many foreign countries as I possibly can. I know they got a couple in Morocco. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know I'm pretty sure there's a couple in Spain. You know, like I know Fun. there, I know there's more than a couple in Spain, but... I definitely yeah yeah uh, eagle, I think that eagle rider has a couple in morocco right you now yeah that'd be tight eat some pigeon <laughs> is that you eat pigeon in morocco yeah yeah that's no. like a delicacy <laughs> interesting it's interesting how you know that <laughs> i had a homeboy from <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, how the fuck he's, do you know he was, that? he was always in the backyard chasing <laughs> pigeons we're like what the fuck are you doing he's like that, dinner yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker was weird <laughs> exactly eating a pigeon is weird yeah. well it, it's different man like the pigeons out there they eat different than the pigeons what out do you there. Mean? Right. they huh? still eat shit no the pigeons out there they, they eat different they're different. <laughs> they're desert pigeons. I don't get it. They're different. I think that they're like a fucking rat of the air. They eat falafels there. <laughs> they, they eat different. Hummus right. and shit. Uh, yeah, hummus and shit. <laughs> <laughs> hummus. <laughs> I don't know, I man. Don't like know. he used to he, he was big he was big on a pigeon. He was a weird ass dude. Nobody really fucked with him, so I fucked with him. Well, I mean any kind of, when you start traveling, which you know too, every culture is so different. But I mean, I don't know about a pigeon, bro. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, mean, India, I mean yeah, I'll India, India, how about Peru and guinea pigs? Would you eat a guinea pig? I would. All right. Yeah, for sure. I'd eat the shit out of yeah. a guinea pig. I ain't eating no you? fucking... I ain't getting a guinea pig. No. <laughs> yeah. Eat that alligator is, when you go like, to Louisiana. Eat squirrel. I'll yeah. eat all of it. How about Nutri-Rat? I don't... I mean, no. Yeah, It's a fucking rat. It's gross. Dude. Yeah. It's not yeah. a rat, but it's gross. I mean, it looks disgusting. Yeah, it looks like... Hold on. So you'll eat a pet... But you won't eat. But they're so cute. I feel well, you like they have one, to be You delicious. eat one dog and all of a sudden. No, I'm not, <laughs> not going to eat a dog. Or I'm not going to do that. That shit, that shit well, weird. we've been to Tijuana, homeboy. Yeah, I've had plenty of tacos. <laughs> yeah, I've eaten some weird shit before. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we've all probably eaten rat and dog, especially if you've been to Mexico. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, see, Who yeah. fucking knows? Damn, these Delicacy. tacos are good. Yeah, delicious. Tastes like golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs> Hide the paw. Hide the paw. <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> We're so yeah. screwed now. I shouldn't have said that. I know. People no. are going to be so mad. I know. <laughs> Don't fuck with cats. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was a good one. You saw that? Yeah, I saw bits and parts. Bits and pieces shit. of it. That wild. blew my mind. Yeah. That was a pandemic watch for me. I was like, what? I remember seeing that shit in the news, not the film, mm-hmm. but the real story, right? Yeah. That they cover in it. Yeah. And then it was like, wait, what? There's a documentary just like so deep into that whole story. Yeah. Right. 
That was crazy. I caught I, ca- no. I caught like the first oh, like forty five minutes of it. It's pretty. You gotta watch it. Pretty well. Really it's fucked up. Don't right. fuck with cats. Don't fuck with cats. Oh, you know what? I started to, but you know what? I really am an animal lover, and I just fucking I I did start watching it. I'm like, eh, I don't even know. I don't know where it's going, but I don't want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes into killing humans. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Well, it goes, fuck it goes humans. Crazy. You, you know, <laughs> humans are okay. I, seriously, humans could. They, I can watch that all day long. But when it comes to an animal, right? I'm like, come on, really, what? dude, what? a fucking animal? Why are we like that? Man, you just said that you're gonna eat a guinea pig. What? Well, yeah, but that's a delicacy. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, try it once, at least. <laughs> yeah. Why, right. why are we like that though? You know, like I, I remember know. when the, the tsunami happened. Yeah. It was like devastating. It's like you know, fifteen thousand people died instantly. Like all this crazy shit, right? right. And I was like, I, I mean, I felt bad. It was terrible. But then I remember like. You know, it's like you're seeing all this devastating stuff. And I remember there was like this one thing on the news where there's this dog and he's got his little dog buddy and his dog buddy's like hurt and he's there by themselves. And I, dude, I started crying <laughs> like in the middle of the day. I was like, oh, I this dog buddy, the poor guy. You know, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, what is wrong with me? 15,000 people died and I'm crying over a fucking two dogs. You know what I, know. I mean? Like, it's yeah. fucking really bad. <laughs> Every Christmas, you watch the commercials right now, oh, and they're gosh. like, Here's a one dollar to note. To, you know, take I, my money. Yeah, take this. Take this for this poor animal in fucking who the fuck knows where. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? But it's like these poor animals. I think they were showing like Russian dogs or some shit. Yeah, this right. is like beat to shit, yeah, all malnourished like, and shit. Yeah. I'm like fucking cursing out recovery because I'm like, oh, fucking Jesus, <laughs> fucking yeah. motherfucker. I'm sending them 45. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. How long you been clean for? Um, so I've been on and off and I mean, the thing is like, I would, I mean, I'm an alcoholic for sure. Right. Um, but I've kind of had this like up and down with it a little bit. So I quit for two and a half years and then the pandemic happened and I was like, I'm going to drink again. Mm. Um, but, uh, and I, when I quit for two and a half years, it wasn't like, like when I was in the military, I did get in trouble for drinking. Um, it was like it's called an alcohol related incident, mm-hmm. you know, and and then when you get an alcohol related incident, or at least back then, uh, they send you to rehab and they send you to AA, you know, and like, you know, the thing is, like, I definitely struggled with addiction in high school and it was my default for like finding my community. You know, I found the community of druggies and yeah. they all had that in common. Right. It didn't matter what if I grew up on a sailboat or not, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Uh, we like drugs. <laughs> um, and then in the military, it's like, I remember getting, like, you're out at sea for a month, and then you pull into port, and you literally have two days, maybe, to go fuck off, you know? And it starts at, like, 9 a.m., and you got to be back on the ship by 10, especially when you're a junior sailor. So it was like, all right, as soon as we hit that pier, man, fucking getting trashed, because, like, that's it. We only have two days, you know? Right. And, like, so that, that kind of, like... Um, Alcohol is a big thing in the military, right? You know, like, uh, so that didn't slow down, you know, like, in that sense. Like, I didn't smoke pot or do drugs Mm because I couldn't, but definitely drank a lot of alcohol and got in trouble. And I had to go to rehab in the military. But it wasn't like, you know, it's not like 28 days or whatever. Right. It was like I had to go to courses. And it was interesting because I learned a lot about how it affects your body, how it affects your brain. Like they, there was that side of it. And then they made me to go to AA meetings, which I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm 20, I'm 21 years old, 22 years old when I got in trouble, I think. And I'm like, you know, I'm not some dried up old alcoholic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I remember standing up and being like, listen, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a 22 year old 
you know, young American kid, this is what we do. We go to fucking football games and we drink and get trash and we go to, you know, frat parties and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like this is the lifestyle. And they were like, no, not everybody does that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you look, I'm not an alcoholic. Okay. Mm. I'm not going to stand up here and be, my name is Justin. I'm alcoholic. Because right. to me, an alcoholic is, you guys ever see that leaving Las Vegas? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought an alcoholic yeah. was. I was like, oh, it's fucking walking around a room, pouring, pouring whatever drips are left in a, the bottom of a bottle into a glass just to get enough to, like, get the shakes to go away. Right. You know, like, that's what I thought an alcoholic was. And I remember there, I said that to them, and they are like, just because you're not there now doesn't mean you won't end up there. Oof. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, fuck. Um, Boom. Yeah, boom. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, I was like, and, I, and it, even, it's more or less just keep coming back, buddy. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, sure. yeah, keep coming back. You're going to fucking find out. And I think our like definition of what an alcoholic is is like, it's so loose. It's like freedom. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's the same thing where yeah. it's like, I agree. I, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's like, dude, if you drink alcohol because it makes you feel anything. And that's this is a fine line, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sure. You, some people are really good at just having a glass of wine and being chill, and they're they can mellow out on it and not have any more wine, you know. But I kind of feel like even when you if you are doing it for that feeling, like you kind of are an alcoholic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's that simple, mm -hmm. you know. Like and then of course there's so many definitions of alcoholism, and uh, you know it's like, all right, well maybe it's not that, but it's that you have six. If you have six beers in a day, you know, or you're getting drunk. Or if you get drunk, then you're an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but I just think it's as, as straight up as simple as like, if you're doing it for the feeling, I think, yeah, you're an alcoholic. You know what I mean? And it sounds bad. It's like, oh god, I'm an alcoholic. Because I mean, like, I'm sure people are listening to this and they're like, I'm not. A I ain't alcoholic. sucking dick for no alcohol. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. Like, yeah, I like to feel that like calm or whatever you get from it. You know what I mean? And right, it's like, right. But it doesn't need to be this harsh word. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. no, you just definitely feel you like the feeling of alcohol, mm -hmm. you know? And um, but anyway, like uh, a few years ago, I I went out for my birthday, got fucking trashed, you know, and I was like in my 30s and I woke up the next day with a hangover. And it's that typical thing. You wake up and you're like, I'm never doing this again. Mm. You know what I mean? And but I really meant it that time, you know, it wasn't nothing happened, nothing bad happened, but I like woke up and realized like, dude, I'm going to waste this whole day because I'm so hungover and feel like shit and I'm not going to feel good tomorrow really either. I'm going to still be kind of coming out of a mental fog, all that stuff. And, you know, and then it's like, I'm just wasting my life on this shit. Like, what am I doing? I have, I have so much to do in this life. I have so much purpose. I have so many, I'm, Fucking so awesome at what I do, but I'm like numbing myself and doing stupid shit and making poor decisions. You know, like no doubt when you get drunk, you mm. make bad decisions, right? And you're not using your whole brain. Like this is one of the things I learned about in this whole, you know, alcohol education and drug education thing was like the drunker you get, the more primal state of your brain you're using. You know, mm. and actually when you have alcohol poisoning, what happens is you've literally shut down the part of your brain that tells you to breathe and for your right. heart to beat. You know what I mean? Like that's how, that's what happens. It's your brain is like fucked, you know, like, and the first thing that goes when you start getting drunk is your frontal cortex, which is all your reasoning. You know, that's the first part of the brain that starts to shut down as you're drinking alcohol. Yeah. You know, the, the shit's a poison. It's straight up. That's is. what I was just going to say. Yeah. I mean, it should, 
there should be a poison label on it. I mean, there kind of is, right? That's In the what state you're of putting, California, yeah, you know? <laughs> you're putting that into your body. I mean, your yeah. body, our bodies are not meant to congest that. No. It's just, it, it's just not. No. And, and the poor decision-making, it's just... <laughs> yep. Wow. We've yeah, you know, you know the, the crazy thing is, like, the longer that I've been clean and stuff like that, like, the less I think about it. Like, you know... I, I don't really start thinking about drugs and alcohol until I go to a meeting. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. When you you mean like a you meeting know? at uh, what kind of like, meeting? Like when I go to like a self-help meeting, AA, yeah, NA. Okay. Like that's when it's like, yeah, you know, boom. You know, but the, the trauma and the and everything that came from my addiction and stuff, like I'll never forget that, you know? So it's like always there, but it's kind of like, you know, when you go through day to day, you know, with the kids, work, everything else that you have going on, the dog, the baby, this and that. Like, I don't really start thinking about alcohol until, like, I end up sitting down and, like, fucking going, and I'm sitting down at a meeting, and I'm like, fuck, I'm an addict, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's not even, like, it's not even, like, I'm like, fuck, it's, I'm an addict. It's, like, you know, my people, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know. When I quit drinking alcohol the, that first time, what was interesting is like I realized that there was a lot of things that I was doing with alcohol as a band aid. You know, like oh, yeah. I was new in my business as a filmmaker, and like I would go to these like business mixers, and I was like, I was nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, I was nervous to talk. I didn't have that courage to talk to people, mm -hmm. so I'd drink a couple cocktails. You know, like I'd get that liquid courage, and then what I realized was that those conversations were not really that good. It felt like it in my brain. It's like, you know, that hot chick you saw last night when you were Crushed at the bar. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next morning you wake up, you're like, oh, God. God damn, she's 400 pounds. What <laughs> the fuck? What is this raccoon I woke up next to? You know, like, you're, oh, trying Tammy. To, you're, trying to, you're trying to fucking bite your arm, literally bite your arm to not wake her up. Yeah, right. Like you want to shoot yeah. your own arm so you do not wake her up. <sighs> I mean, I've dealt with that a few times, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, right. Well, anyway, so the, you know, the point is like, yeah. Those same things in our mind, we think that's a 10. And in, the, in my mind, I thought the conversations I was having with these businesses were a 10. But it really, I was like probably slurring my words. I probably sounded like an idiot. Right. You know, and it's not that I was just drunk, drunk. Like now that I've been sober for a long time, it's like you guys, you guys know too. Yeah. You'll see somebody and they start having some drinks. It doesn't take very long actually until that alcohol starts to affect them. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'll notice they, are, they start drawing out their words and... You know, like you can see it. You repeat know? themselves. Repeat them. Oh God, that drives me crazy. Yeah. It's so funny now being sober too. Like yeah. I forget that other people aren't sober. You know, I go to these events and I'm like, why are they acting so fucking weird? Oh yeah, they're drunk. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and and then the funny thing too is like you were saying earlier, we went out to that uh, the the that restaurant. And you guys were wilding out and having a good yeah. time, even though you're sober. Well, the, I get that all the time. Like you guys weren't drinking last night. My girlfriend and I are both sober actually. Mm. Um, but you know, you guys weren't drinking last night. No, cause we know how to have a fucking good time without it. And so back to my story also of like figuring out things. So that was one thing. It was like, man, I like, why am I nervous about this? Mm. I need to work on that. You know what I mean? I need to work. I'm going to work on that. And I did, I just like made it a point to go out and like, and I started challenging myself. I was like, well, it wasn't like I was in some dire situation where I was like craving alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, it's not like I couldn't be in a situation where there was alcohol, but it was just this like fundamental challenge of like, 
now I see things more clearly. Why can't I go to a club and dance without drinking alcohol? Like, why do I need to like have alcohol to drink to dance? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So then I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to a club and see if anybody. I'm just gonna pretend I'm drunk. You know, that's what <laughs> I would do at first. I would pretend I was drunk. So everybody thought I was drunk. So it was okay if I dr- danced like an asshole. And I realized no one gave a shit. Yeah. It was only me. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. me. You know what I mean? And like, so then I was like, all right, cool. And I, over time, I started learning these things. And then another really, really important thing that I think, it, like when it comes to addiction and drug use and all that, is that at the core of it, we all have some trauma or something along those lines, probably. I mean, some of it is like we have chemical dependence and we have uh, addiction that runs in our family and it's hereditary and all that stuff. So it might be you had a great childhood, but you just have a bunch of lushes in your family and have generations of it. And as soon as you get that first drop, something goes off in your brain like this stuff's awesome, you know, and you can't shut it off. Yeah. You know, so it might not be necessarily that you came from some awful situation. It could be possibly that. But if you did come from a situation where you're doing this to run away from pain, you know, like I mentioned earlier, or you're doing this because you're you're trying to numb yourself, you know what I mean, or whatever that is, like at the core of it, why the fuck are you numbing yourself? What pain are you running from? How about you turn around, sober the fuck up, stop numbing yourself, stop running from that pain and run towards the pain. You know what I mean? Like face it. Stop and fucking face it. And you can't do that unless you're sober. Yeah. Your brain that you keep shutting off all the fucking time, you keep on literally shutting it down in different phases, taking away that that cerebral, the, the frontal cortex of reasoning. You, you, like it's not able to process what it needs to in order to really be able to overcome that addiction yeah. and, and the problems that are leading you to that addiction. Yeah. You know, so I think being sober is super powerful and gives you the opportunity to be able to actually dig down deep to the core of what drives us, you know, and give yourself that space. Right. And it's so relatable too. even the people that want to be sober, they gravitate people that are because they want what you have or they want to have, you know, we've had so many conversations. It's kind of like what I was saying to you over the phone too. We get, we, so many people reach out to us and just say, thank you or advice or, you know what's an avenue in that <clears throat> and that's the beauty behind this podcast too because that's what it's here for for and we always say if you're going through it please reach out because we have people around the united states that can help you know we recovery is such a humongous fucking thing you know and uh but it's funny we we have conversations often to where it's like you know people want to get sober but they just don't know how because they're so addicted and they can't function without it they can't have a conversation without it you, you know i found our my conversation our conversations are so just organic now and they're they're just not made up you know there's so many times you know i'd drink and it would just be i'd make up something you know just to have a conversation you know what i mean it's like <laughs> when i first got clean too i had to like really check myself like you know talking about my story because i caught myself a few times still lying and i'm like wait a minute that didn't happen i said that because i was drunk or high, right? You know those things actually didn't happen, and you know the reality of it is, is I was just a fucking drunk dope fiend that had to make up stories to try to be cool or puff my chest out. You sure. know, it's a really it's an awful life, and that's why it is, uh, dude. It, it's a it's it's real it's a, it's a sad life, and I think that people that are able to have one drink and and you know carry on, 
Um, of course, me looking on the outside, I feel like everybody should work on themselves and have some self-awareness because I think at the end of the day, if you're drinking heavily on a daily basis and you're still functioning, that's you're still functioning. But there's probably some underlying issues still. For sure. You know? And that's pretty cool. So Maggie, she's sober too. Yeah. And and uh, did she have a problem or did no. she is she just one of those like just I just I mean, don't want to drink. I think you know her part. Her family kind of parties a little hard. Like, sure. like she comes from a fun. Fa- I love her family. You know what yeah. I mean. Um, but I think she kind of grew up around a little bit of that. You know, and like, but I don't. You know, no. I think you know what it is, dude. With her and me, even is like it's like, dude. I got so much in life that I want to achieve. Like I know I've. It sounds like I've lived a lot of life, but I have so much more that I want to get done and and I can't do it if I'm loaded. Yeah. Or even a little bit, you know, like, so that gap between like after the pandemic and then I was like, you know, all right, I learned all these things about myself and I've improved and you know, whatever I can handle it. I can have a couple of drinks here and there. And you know, and it is a slippery slope for anybody who's gone back and forth between sobriety. You'll know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, Oh yeah, look, I'm that guy who can have one glass of wine and it's fine. One glass of wine feels so good. I bet two would feel even better. Or I don't want to lose this feeling that I have. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. then it just becomes like, ah, oh, fuck it. You know, we're at a concert. Like, who cares? I can let loose. I'm gonna just have fun tonight. You know. And then all of a sudden, that concert's a couple times a month. You know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, now it's once a week. And you know, so it's always this like slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm. And um, also the other thing is like, I got to this point too where I really did realize like I have some more demons like those demons that i was working out with like oh why am i insecure when i'm going to talk to people that was in the moment that was present but i have like demons that i need to deal with from my past and 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 part of that is like dude emotionally i feel like even with that one glass of wine this is where i i I, like this is the biggest driver in me not drinking at all Mm -hmm. with that one glass of wine it affects my mood for a week i can feel it Mm. you know and what i've noticed is that if we look at like our emotions, right? We have happy at the top and we have sad. And most of the time we're sort of somewhere in the middle. Sometimes we're really happy and sometimes we're really sad. But what I feel like happens when you drink alcohol is that that because it is a depressant, you know, that that level where sadness is is lower. It's it's like the the swing is lower, right? Than your normal, your mm-hmm. normal kind of operating level and so now you've lowered it further and so when you're going through life on a daily basis and we're going up and down in happiness which we all do we're going to right we're human that level dips further down in the in the depressive state or the sadness or and that so that emotional swing is higher you know what i mean it's more of emotional swing and that's just something that i'm like i don't want to deal with that you know what i mean that's a big reason why i'm like i'm just yeah. I don't I don't want that. I don't want to <laughs> fog my brain. You know, like I'm I got things I got to do, man. I'm going to Australia. I'm going to South Africa. Mm-hmm. You can't get there by being a wasteoid. You can. There are very highly functional people. I did for a long time do crazy wild things, but I didn't do it as good as I can. Right. Cuz I dumbed it down. Right. Dumb me down. Right. You can push yourself as hard as like you can on a bike too, you know? <laughs> Cuz it's like well, actually, I know guys that, like, get fucking lit, lit, jump on a fucking bike, and then do the most, like, when they really, like, when they regular, like, 
I have a friend that like when he's like when I'm riding with him and he's just like regular and he's just riding regular, like he'll do a wheelie here and there, boom, boom. And then he gets that fucking margarita glow and something in him and, and next thing you know this dude's flying down the fucking freeway doing That's burnouts terrible. in between fucking cars fucking yeah. doing wheelies through traffic i'm like what a nice guy yeah right <laughs> you know? but yeah sometimes it's, it's sometimes like a lot of the times especially like in that community um a lot of like the the drugs and stuff like that they need that type of shit you know yeah. they they kind of like need that shit but like uh, some of the guys, there's like a couple of them that are like sober and like they've ripped just fine, sure. you know, like, and I, I feel like they're able to push themselves a little bit more and stuff. Yeah. So. But that dude who's doing all that crazy shit. I mean, is is that just a product of the fact that he just shut off his frontal cortex and he's yeah, not really, he's not <laughs> really thinking. being very logical. No. You know what I mean? It's not that he needed that to be able to do that. He's no. just shut off his brain where it's saying like, Hey, we probably shouldn't do this. We're breaking laws. We're putting people at danger. You're putting your body and your motorcycle at danger. You know what I mean? Instead it's like, hell yeah, let's do this. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He just sends it. And it's <laughs> like, I, and like he's, he's actually really, he's really good at what he does. It's just, uh, you know, he just needs to lay off that shit. Yeah. Because, like, when, when he's sober and stuff like that, they look a lot cleaner. The wheelies look a lot cleaner. Sure. The burnouts look it a lot cleaner. Be, dude, your stuff, your you know? reaction time is delayed mm-hmm. when you drink alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just, yeah, dude, that's it's, it's fucking poison. Right. Yeah. 100%. You know, like, it really is. Not good for you. I mean, that's why you get sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? Yeah. You get sick and you start throwing up. Yeah, right. Your Your body, your body's like this. This is not supposed to be go down right here. You yeah. know, yeah. this is not it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that our fucking, you know, our disease is just so fucking powerful too. Because at the end of the day, it's like when you become an alcoholic, you know, the traits of the disease just progressively get worse. You know, and you can have that one drink, but it's like, man, that motherfucker is doing push-ups. Like he, he can't, he's, he's going to push you to go ahead and drink another drink and then oh, another yeah. drink and then another drink and another drink. And the next, thing you know, you know, you're fucking butt naked, fucking running around a goddamn party, you know, tequila. That dude. was one time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to tequila. suck some cock or something. <laughs> that was, a, that was always my joke. It was like, if I drink tequila, I'm either going to end up naked or in a fight, and sometimes both. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> fight naked. Right. Yeah. I mean, you girl, fight yourself at that the, point. Anybody, are, yeah. anybody that runs up to me naked is like, hey, you win, my dude. <laughs> yeah. You got it. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> Last thing I need is that shit like slapping me in the eye by accident. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all I know is all, all the girls around me were like, Bust out the tequila. Uh, <laughs> good girls. Get this guy a shot. Yeah. Good nice. girls. Yeah, I tell you what, man. I would love to have you and your Maggie. girlfriend Maggie to come back yeah. on the podcast. That'd be great. I I, I know that. Uh, I'm just hearing. I love hearing women in this industry. Yeah. I just love it because they're fucking so raw and real. And just it takes a lot Dude, of courage. She's, she's so smart. Mm-hmm. She's such like a brilliant woman. She's done so much traveling. I mean, this is why it's like we were doing this, you know, kind of passing cross for passing. Sorry, crossing paths uh, for years. And like, don't worry, I have that effect on people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're we're crossing paths for years. And, you know, it's like what was interesting is when we met back up and we had that chat about her doing the lowrider s thing. She had really spent a lot of time overseas. 
And, you know, it's like I have traveled so much and there's so few people that I can truly relate to in that sense. And mm -hmm. finally, we were at that level together, right. you know, and like that was cool. It's cool to share that with somebody. And like, yeah, man, she's fucking wise. And actually, like years ago, I remember hanging out with her and she was telling me about all the stuff she was doing. And I was like, dude. You need to have a YouTube channel. Like you're so like this is so what you're talking about, what you're doing. It's like this is inspirational. You know, right. like it's not about like, ooh, look at me. It's like, no, like, look at me. I'm capable of doing all these things, and you can too. And she is such that person. Like she's constantly trying to get new riders on the road and telling women, like, Yeah, women. Dude, you don't have to be you don't have to ride bitch. You know, like you guys are gonna laugh, but I ride on the back of the bike with her a lot. Mm -hmm. I like it. I'm like, hell yeah! This is, you know, like this is kind of like uh, if you're into handcuffs or something like that. That's my version of it. You know, right. like I like riding, bitch. I'm like <laughs> grabbing titties, and you know, like this is fucking great. My hands can do so much, <laughs> damn. I, blah, blah, blah. I gotta <laughs> see. I gotta get a picture of you ride, bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, and and the best part <laughs> is though because we she's such a rad rider, dude. Yeah. Like we do. I'll show you guys a video after yeah. this, but uh, I don't have what it looks like when we do this but dude yeah. i'm hanging off the back of the bike with my gimbal and my camera shooting this you'll see it's beautiful footage right it mm -hmm. looks like i mean this is movie filmmaking shit and she's driving the bike and you can't do that with everybody you got to have right. some fucking trust mm -hmm. you know that's and true. we do you know like that's this true. is that that's that that is that marriage you know what i mean like right. when you trust somebody at that level like she right. <laughs> yeah like you're not gonna die i'm not gonna yeah. fucking die yeah. i, I yeah, know dude tight. she's so good you know yeah. like and it's awesome and what we pull off from that is so fucking cool right you know like so i'm excited to see this video yeah yeah hell yeah man this has been a great show bro i really appreciate you coming on yeah man. thanks like, for having taking, me guys. taking the time i mean i know that you're here from uh from vegas right yeah that's, that's where you live so yeah. Your visiting family here man i just really appreciate you reaching out to us and wanting to come on the show man it's really fucking cool i'm i'm glad that him and i spoke on the phone the other day which was really cool we we got to know each other for a little bit you know and i always like that when when guests come on the show and they're like here let's talk about this you know what i mean mm -hmm. and, and prepared a lot like papa Juan. papa yeah. Juan came on the show and he was very he had a like, list he had a list ask me about like, this yeah <laughs> i mean of course we didn't but such whatever a badass. yeah you're right <laughs> no we definitely did, did you know he's been on the show multiple times and yeah. it's it just it you know it, it fucks every single time he's sure. he's a great he's guest rad, dude he is he's like an he's undercover so, badass yeah he's just monotone you guys ever see the photos that we did together i'll have to show you some of them yeah, i shot see. him Okay. Yeah, I was going to say when we do a ride, I'd love to do like a professional photo shoot. With Dude, guys, no, we're gonna know? we're gonna definitely make some happen. I mean, with the people that we just continuously keep meeting, you know. But Justin, you're you're somebody that's special, and I really wanted I wanted to create something with you. I think I, I think with our group and even like some of your guys too in your group, we can meet in the middle, or if it's just you and your your wife, you know, or your your girlfriend. Excuse yeah. me, but um. Yeah, I, I this this year is gonna be really great. We're gonna do a lot of great shit, man. But um, like I said, thanks for coming on, man. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And thanks, dude. You too. Fucking uh, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Let me fucking. Uh, what do you think? I know. Let me just. I'm gonna fucking play some music that I like too. Oh, what's a good song? So this thing records internally on that thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. On the board. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I was going to do, I don't really don't know. It's that. pretty cool because like, you can upload like. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Super cool.
This is a good one. All right, guys, it's been another episode of the LFG 1904 show. Y'all know the fucking deal. Was a boy who was a dreamer, and he flew so high and proud. In a world full of people out, cut his young ass down. No one ever understood a single it. word he said. <laughs> and it cast him to the wolves when he wasn't well and fed. We've got a riser, a riser in our midst. He will get the last lap. It's the last thing he did. What's going on, guys? Dustin with the LFG 1904 show. Reconstruction Rescue is your best choice for flood restoration services in San Diego County. With years of experience of the industry, their dedicated team of project managers will work hand in hand with you from start to finish, specializing in home insurance water damage claims. They take on the headache of dealing with your insurance company so you don't have to. Call this number today for a free estimate, 760-891-9919. Once again, that number is 760-891-9919. Reconstruction Rescue, y'all know the deal.